1: Avatar: The Last Airbender debuted on Nickelodeon in 2005 and quickly became one of the most beloved TV shows of all time. Let's break down Aang and his gang's adventures on Raiders of the Lost Podcast. Welcome back to the show, everybody. We are doing another episode this week of our Anime Week, even though Avatar isn't quite anime; it's anime inspired. So I was like, "Fuck it, it counts." And we're joined again by Jacob Costler. What's going on, pal? How's it going? Now, you got me to watch Avatar Last Airbender. I aged out before the show even came out. So I was Mm -hmm. 16 when it debuted, so I was out of interest in animated shows for a while, and I got into movies around that time. So I missed Avatar completely. I had heard about it the last few years, and I knew that it was really liked, but then you convinced me to watch it last year, and I binged it all, I think, in less than two weeks, and I found it really fantastic, incredible. The storytelling, the characters, animation uh the themes just a really deep show for a children's show and had so much more to say than anything else that i had seen on nickelodeon so i was so glad i watched it and i can't wait to see what happens with the live action adaptation i'm i'm both curious but also very skeptical with what netflix is planning to do it comes out next week so we'll see um but when did you first get into avatar
0: um, when it started releasing,
1: I-, I was right in that age demographic. I was,
0: uh, 2005, I was in elementary school, so I was, I was prime demographic for this, and, uh, I've watched every episode of this, I've watched every episode of Legend of Korra. Um, I haven't broken into the comics yet, but I've heard that, like, the comics are also actually really good, so, and they're the actual continuation of the original series, so, like, stuff about Zuko's mom, all in there, so I, I don't know any information about it, but, they have some uh, really cool stuff. Is Ang an adult and... in that? Yes, uh, oh, wow. he he. They they age him up a little bit. I don't think you get him as like a full adult, but like he's like I think he's like sixteen by the time like when they finish it, because I think the comic is like over the next year or two after the events of the series. He knocked up Katara. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, who dude? Who knows? <laughs> uh, I mean, they've got what four kids in in
1: Korra. I don't even know. So Legend of Korra. Korra has is working with the new avatar in that one.
0: So Cora is the new avatar. Okay, gotcha. She she is from the water. Uh, she's from from the Southern Water Tribe. So she was very quickly picked up on because Katara is living there. This is taken place, I think, about like 60, 70 years after. Um, the events of uh, Avatar: The Last Airbender, because everyone's like pretty old at that point. Uh, like Katara was like ninety something or eighty something. So this is quite quite a while ahead. A- Aang has passed away, and so you have the new Avatar, uh, uh Korra, and she is trained uh, as an airbender by Aang's oldest son, Tenzin. Oh wow! And it's uh, it's, it's a really cool series. Season one is a little bit weak. It's got a few. Th- I think there's they're, they're kind of. Finding their uh, their footing on who these new characters were going to be, but when you get to seasons two, three, and four, it's they they really kind of uh, uh, get back to where Avatar was.
1: Well, the strength of Avatar is the fact that it was only three seasons and yes. there was nearly no fluff at all. They didn't stretch the story out longer than it had to be, and if they had done another season, I don't think that the storytelling would have been as strong because every season was so important and vital for what's going forward. And it's hard to even pick a favorite season. I think that season three ultimately was my favorite just because of that finale. The last the last four episodes are just, like, unbelievably epic. But also the first season is just really fantastic, learning more about the lore. And then season two with Zuko starting his redemption arc. Uh, it's just it's just a great set of layers for each season. And there are a couple of episodes that are kind of like side quests, but still, those are a lot of fun, and they don't ever feel like a waste of time. So the the... The writing team really went above and beyond for this.
0: Absolutely. The writers for Avatar uh, have always just kind of been incredible, and they're, like, very decisive with with the way they write everything. So when they were doing the original series, they, it was their way or they're the highway. Same thing happened with Legend of Korra. They uh, weren't going to make any more content than they wanted to. So whenever they, whenever they were, whatever they're writing, they it has gone through such a refined process at that point where they aren't, they don't release anything unless they're sure of it, and it's kind of shown in everything that the original creators have had had involvement with. Uh, I I also think that they, it's just a really tight show. The all the filler episodes still have value in some way. Like you can consider Tales of Bossing say a filler episode because it's none of the characters are necessarily like it's not progressing the plot in any specific manner it's a day minus, in the life in, yeah. in, in, in a day in the life and it's like individual character moments and i think that's more it's it's more world building but it's not necessarily filler because it has one of the most remembered moments in the series with um uncle Iroh's uh section of it and uh, so like even even the the most insignificant quote unquote episodes still have meaning in the whole series and I think that's what makes it so special.
1: And they they connect a lot of great lore and mythology to the show from real ancient cultures and ancient storytelling. Like there's this great Japanese fairy tale about a moon princess. And so when I saw Sokka's first girlfriend becoming the moon, I was like there that's a really great way of connecting actual lore from other cultures into the story of this uh, of Avatar the Last Airbender. So I think that attention to detail the respect for other cultures and then trying to weave in real stories from other cultures is strength of the storytelling by far.
0: Absolutely, the, the cultural awareness that the series shows is, I think, one of its strong suits. They've they designed everything to be around specific cultures. So the Air Nomads to the Southern Water Tribe to the North and then Earth Kingdom and, and the Fire Nation, all of them take direct inspiration from real cultures, and I th- uh, that that just accentuates everything. Everything has true meaning and purpose and derivation. It's not just something that was haphazardly added. It all comes from somewhere.
1: And the cast is great. I mean, the voice acting. Obviously, I don't know much of the many of the actors, but I, I know Mae Whitman. I know Jason Isaacs. He's a great actor. Uh, obviously, Luke Skywalker as the Fire Lord. So, the voice cast is really impressive, and the acting, it was just phenomenal. It blew me away. Even the young actors, uh, the kids do, did a great job, and they do an excellent job of making you connect to them, even the villains. And so, by the, by the first few episodes, I was hooked. There was a character I wasn't a really big fan of at first, and that was Prince Zuko. Because he was like that angsty, troublesome, bitching, whining kid. But then his arc throughout the entire series is definitely one of the most compelling. And by the end of the season, end of the series, I just loved him. He's now one of my favorite characters. So the actors did a phenomenal job portraying each role.
0: absolutely this is this is definitely one of like the, the best voice acting performances I've seen over the course of, of a project the the child acting you're right is is so impressive the uh, Aang and Toffs actors are have are just were just phenomenal tops great uh, and they were and, and they were the exact same age as their characters so they were 11 12 13 filming this series so the just the C H, just the product that they that they made with the actors that young as the primary characters is just incredible. And and you can definitely tell as the series goes on, their acting gets better still. And, and you can hear and, them and, aging in their voices. Exactly. By the time you get to season three, Toph and Aang do sound older are, and are immensely more mature in just their characterizations on top of just the vocal performances.
1: Now – I think that Avatar, from what I've seen, it just seems to be something that shouldn't be adapted for live action, possibly, because obviously M. Night Shyamalan made what is considered one of the worst movies ever made with just, what was it called? Just The Last Airbender? Was it even called Avatar, maybe? And uh, apparently he called Aang Ong, he called Aang Ong, uh, cast a bunch of white people in the roles, and took i I've just seen the trailer and a couple of clips, and it looks like he sucked out all the life, all the energy, all the love, and all the humor from the show. It made something super dark and serious. Now, Netflix is coming out with their own adaptation next week. I'm not sure how I feel about it. Rumors have been circulating recently. Now, the actual creators of the original show left Netflix's project from creative differences. Nobody knew what those differences were. But some things are coming to light recently in the past week. And it just looks like a bad sign and red flag going forward. So the first major thing that uh, was released is Sokka won't be sexist at all which is one of his big flaws in the first half of the series. He becomes a much better person throughout learning lessons, life lessons, um, being put in this place. And it's a great redemption arc for him. Now, young boys oftentimes will have sexist opinions and thoughts, and they have to grow as a, into adulthood out of adolescence and mature. I think that's a common thing that young boys go through, so that's why they put it in the show, because all young boys deal with that differences between them and girls. I think that eliminating that from Sokka's storyline is so detrimental to his character development and now what is he just going to be uh like a great ca- great guy like from the start?
0: Yeah, so the I think the way they worded it was like oh it's toned down. They uh I, the the way that even like they worded the description was kind of odd. The the way they did, they basically had described it was this in this entire first arc just won't exist. They they've toned down the sexism and so these, I don't know, man. That to me, that's just a terrible idea. The whole thing with the Kyoshi Warriors and the way he the reason he uh he gains immense respect for, for Suki and the Kyoshi Warriors is that there's these women who just kick his ass and they're non benders, they and, and and they're and they're this group of like some of the only groups of non benders who can stand up to benders and uh this. Uh, the it's a weird th- just like decision to me creatively like the you can have a flawed character that's the, uh, people prefer flawed characters who go through an entire arc the uh one of the things that this series is, is raved about is is Zuko's character arc and if you just remove those flaws that initially exist then like what's the point to to his character uh it to me it just seems like a terrible idea
1: that's the point of the of one of the main aspects of storytelling is showing the evolution of a person because we all go through changes we all make mistakes when we're younger and we all have immense flaws when we're kids but we learn from those mistakes and we mature into much better people into adulthood that's what Sokka does in the show and he becomes just as vital of a piece as Aang or katara or any of the other benders in the final confrontation and it's because of how much he grew as a person and a human being so i think that Taking away flaws from characters and not allowing them to build up from mistakes and weaknesses is a huge mistake when you're trying to build the show and trying to tell a story. So I think that's so dumb. I think the decision is to not be offensive at all, but nobody's offended by Sokka. He's called out on it multiple times, and he gets—I mean, Katara and all the other girls put him in his place almost every episode. So I think it just makes no sense to me. Another aspect that was revealed is— The gang will not be going on any side quests, so in the first couple of seasons, especially there are multiple episodes that are a lot of fun, um, where it doesn't really have much to do with the overall plot, but they learn lessons, or they interact with new characters, Um, and oftentimes some of those episodes are just really fun, uh, entertaining, and still their own little great little stories. Netflix said the story for the live-action adaptation is just going to be like, we got to get to the North Pole, and that's what we're doing. And there's really nothing no, nothing outside of that. And I think that's also a mistake because some of those episodes, they let you connect with the characters. Uh, they let you feel that the wor- more world building and seeing more of what's happening and uh, taking that away and doing a much more straightforward trajectory for the plot is, I think, another mistake.
0: Absolutely. The I, I think this part actually also removes another character arc, and that's for Aang. When Aang first uh, is freed, he t- still doesn't want to be Avatar. The whole reason he left the temple and why he got frozen is because he didn't want to be the Avatar. And so for him to then so okay, yeah, we need to go to the Water Tribe so I can be the Avatar, makes no sense. The The first half of the season, or, or, or the majority of it, is... Um, Aang doing everything in his power to avoid being the Avatar, but everywhere he goes to try and have his adventures, he sees the reach of the Fire Nation. He sees what's happened from his absence. What, why it's why it's his responsibility to uh, to be, uh, to learn all the elements. He is losing this first major arc that is the initial step of him. Uh, uh, Going from a child to uh, becoming the Avatar and to remove this removes like Aang's first major character arc, which uh, I just I don't understand how how they're supposed to go about this story without like doing that. Like this is the fact that he doesn't want to be an Avatar. The Avatar is like such a major driving force for the first season.
1: Yeah, one of of the great aspects to his character is he just wants to be a kid. He just wants Mm -hmm. to be Aang. He just wants to be another kid. And that's his arc for much of the first season—not just not so much avoiding, but just trying to escape from his responsibilities and his calling, because he's just a little—he's just a boy, and he shouldn't have to f- fight to save the world. Uh, It's—it kind of—it wasn't fair that he was chosen; he didn't make the choice. He just—it was his destiny, uh, and part of his—the yeah. major my, part of his my, arc is just accepting my that guess, destiny,
0: based off of these changes. Okay, sorry. You, you you were lagging for a sec for me. Um the I, it, it kind of feels like this is budget cutting with these changes cuz if they uh by having to to if they don't cover these character arcs, it allows them to speed up certain episodes. So uh, or, or certain I guess just mini arcs that make up the whole season. The so my my assumption is that this is going to be if, if these turn out to be as sweeping in scale as we are as it's being portrayed uh this is for budget cutting just to make it cheaper for them to make the season
1: less locations less cgi less actors yeah
0: exactly and you spend less time filming because you don't have as much to cover because you'd probably need more episodes because uh even though avatar is a very tight series it the a lot of series would have probably done a lot more episodes given just the sheer scale of, of 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 the uh whole uh television show
1: Yeah, I agree. So, another aspect that I've seen is that there's been a lot of footage of the Fire Lord. Photos and footage of him. Now, his presence is known, but you never see his face until the third season. Until the end of the second season. Mm -hmm. So, I understand they're trying to get the main antagonist involved. But the mystery surrounding the Fire Lord is one of the most powerful aspects to the first two seasons of... Who is this guy? We just hear about him. They build up this major villain, so then when he's finally revealed, the hype is immense. And he does live up to the hype. But I loved, I love, love, loved how we never saw his face until late in the, in the sh- series. They're going to be showing him right off the bat, I believe. I can already imagine how they're probably, and they're also getting Azula involved in, early in, the, in this first season as well. So those are two characters where they slowly revealed them. And I think those are strengths to the the series of you have these huge main antagonists, but they didn't show them right off the bat. And I thought that was so fantastic. I'm not sure how I'll feel about seeing the Fire Lord so early on.
0: Yeah, I just I didn't really find like these changes to to to. Uh, help the story at all. It almost almost feels like they're just trying to get through season one as soon as possible, so they can get to season two. Because uh, who? What, what's his name? Daniel Day Kim is who's playing mm. Fire Lord Ozai, I believe, from Lost. And uh, yeah, he's he's such a huge face and name, like the i it almost feels like they're just okay we know we're gonna lose money on this project so we need to get to the point to where we can start making money so we need to get we need to just get past season one where it's where it's the build-up uh and get to season two where we can focus more on these characters who are played by these big famous actors who we can use to promote yeah yeah i'm not a fan of of these changes uh the 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 it really feels like they're just kind of skipping the journey and trying just to get to the finale for for these with these changes.
1: But it's funny because if they do it the right uh, way, people will we'll, love it.
0: Absolutely, they can. Uh, and I understand that when you make an adaptation, you sh- there's changes are going to be made because you need to you're adapting it. You're not if you want to watch it one for one, go watch the original. Right. So the especially as it's it's aged incredibly well. Uh so the the idea of of them just making such significant changes is, is just v- a little bit worrying. Where they can still pull it off, but it's just these are such core parts of the original series. I just don't understand how they're gonna make those changes and still capture the essence of the original.
1: Yeah, we'll see going forward. I'm gonna watch the first episode, but I'm gonna make a that's gonna be my make or break. Really, I'm just yeah. gonna give that first episode a watch and be like, okay, what uh, what are they do- what are they going for? Uh, what's the tone? What's the approach? And then if I don't like it, I'm not going to watch the series. So I'm just going to see that first episode and make my decision. Um, but I just hope that they can capture the essence of the original show. And something that obviously was lacking from Shyamalan's adaptation, and you can't quite see it in this, these trailers and footages, is Aang is really just like such a delight as a lead character. Uh, he's hilarious. He's fun. He's cute. He's silly. He's goofy. Um, because he is just a kid. And he's put in a serious situation. And one of Aang's great qualities is his arc of accepting his duties, accepting his responsibility, but also doing it his way. Like, for example, not wanting to kill the Fire Lord in the end. And he figures out a way to achieve his goal without killing the Fire Lord by taking away his bending powers. So Aang is an incredible character, and I hope that they can try to put that into the live-action series. We'll, go, we'll see going forward.
0: Yeah, I'm. I'm really interested to see what they do because they have they have a really good cast and uh, Netflix has made plenty of good series before. So, and the One Piece live action was incredible. I I I'm, mm-hmm. I haven't looked much into the production, so I don't know how much overlap there is between people like maybe writers or or just any staff between the two sets. But if there's any overlap between One Piece and this, there's maybe some hope because the One Piece live action was incredible. So it's it's possible. Hmm. Uh, we'll, yeah, because I,
1: I, I, uh, I read that the live. I read that the One Piece creator was heavily involved in the adaptation. He was very heavily involved. Every
0: basically every single episode, every single shot was shown to him before before they released it, and and they wouldn't call the project finished until he okayed everything. So every every single scene in that show was was okayed by the creator, and he was uh, also there for some of it. So anything he wasn't there for, it's still it's still. Uh, was I wonder why. I wonder why. I
1: wonder why they weren't like that with. I wonder why they weren't like that with the Avatar adaptation with the creators that, well, of that.
0: So the, the creators were involved with the original creation of this, and then... Th- due to creative differences, they left and formed their own Avatar Studios with Nickelodeon. They went to Paramount, and uh, I don't know what they told Paramount, but Paramount's like, yeah, do what you want. So they they straight up made Avatar Studios. It's a new production company, and they only make projects for Avatar, and it's run by the, the two guys who made Avatar originally. Because oh. they worked on this live-action project, and because of some creative differences, which I think we're here starting to hear about – uh, he they, they left it and they uh went to go do their own project so we have a uh avatar kiyoshi movie on the way we've got I think we've got like two avatar movies for like different avatars we haven't met yet oh wow there's there's rumors of a I, I believe there's like a movie or it's a t- or a series continuation of the original of the avatar gang uh in their 20s is this gonna so be live gonna, action you're gonna have, you're gonna, have, you're gonna uh, it's gonna be animated oh cool so they're they're gonna and it's and it should be with the exact same studio and team uh, so they should work with Studio Mirror again like they did with uh, uh, Avatar and Korra. So it, sh- it sh- should still be the great animation we've, we've been seeing. So I'm, I'm, that's kind of where my hesitance with the series also comes from the creators not even being
1: involved anymore. I mean, good, good for them. Kudos to them for being like sticking to their guns and not being like, mm-hmm. let's just sell out and Netflix is paying us all this money. They're like, they they care about their baby. They care about the story. And if it's not right, they don't want to be involved. So I think that's fantastic that they're like, let's just take our names off of it. We're not involved. So yeah, they they just said,
0: take our names off of it. We're not involved anymore. We're going to go do our own thing. And since they just licensed out the the live action, like they can still go and make their own avatar stuff, which is really cool.
1: And I mean, if Netflix is committed to TV, so then they could have, they do have the opportunity to make live action films for a theatrical release. So we'll see. That'd be pretty sick. Absolutely. All right, let's get into a, a couple of rankings. So obviously, like Attack on Titan, it's hard to talk about uh, 64 episodes. So we have a bunch of rankings and lists. So I'd like to start off with a character ranking of the top 15 characters. The main, main cast is really a handful of people. It's like eight, eight or nine people, but there's still a bunch of great side characters. But first, before we get into the actual people, we're going to mention Momo and Appa, who are always a delight. And now I grew up watching the the film The Never Ending Story. I'm not sure if you've ever seen that film. But um, uh, when I was really young. But Atreyu flies on this big he's like a dragon dog covered in white fur. And uh it was just like always such an incredible thing. And then whenever I see Momo I mean whenever I see Appa I'm like, oh my God, it's just like never ending story with this uh flying water water bison. And he's so cute. He's so powerful. One of the best episodes is his Seeing what happened when he was captured, like that was like a tearjerker. Seeing what he went through, Uh, so I really adore Appa. That got me emotional. That that, does. It was called. um, As
0: as a little kid, I got really upset at that
1: one. Yeah, it was tough to see like him being abused and captured and confined, and oh my god, like that Appa episode was just heartbreaking. And um, I was so happy when they were, yeah, when he they were finally reunited, him and Aang, I was so so happy. Mm -hmm. Um, But uh, Appa's part is just he's connected at the hip with ang basically he's there from the start uh he's vital to the story and he's always brings so much charm to the show i love appa absolutely appa i mean he's he i think he's
0: like one of the most underrated uh characters in the, in the series because he you know you, you kind of forget that like they couldn't have done anything they did without appa yeah. he's the his his ability to fly is the only reason they ever even like accomplished this <laughs>
1: Absolutely. Like imagine if they had to walk it Lord of the Rig style. It wouldn't have gotten there in time. The comet would've hit <laughs> like before oh they gosh. got Never. way before they got there. <laughs> and then Momo, another By the time they got f- to
0: the Earth Kingdom, it, yeah. it, it, it it, Sozin's comet would have already been there. Yeah. It
1: wouldn't just would have been destroyed. It would have been ashes. <laughs> yeah. All right, next up Momo, the other animal companion, is super cute and they discover him when they in episode two or three when they visit the the uh e- what what Eastern Air Temple uh, mm-hmm. when Ang learns that there's uh no air left and uh, Momo is there and he's just super cute as well. I have him on my set somewhere. I don't know where I don't know where he is right now. I don't, know, I don't see him.
0: But yeah, no Momo is just uh oh, just a funny uh great comic relief a uh, little little a uh, lemur to have have around. Uh, uh I also I also love Momo. He's just he's just a little goofball. So he's yeah. causing problems and and I uh. Uh, so he kind of him and Appa kind of just like check off the, like the funny pet character that that uh, will be in a lot of cartoons, and I I think that Moma probably has a little bit less impact on the series, but uh, he's like the, he's he's almost like a mascot. He's the he's the, so- he's
1: the Sokka of the animals.
0: Yeah, basically. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the episode where um is it with Sokka – It's not when he drinks the cactus juice, but it's a different episode where. He imagines Momo and Appa talking, and they, Appa's like a samurai fully kitted out. <laughs> and and Mo, Momo's like a Ronin. He's got the little like tweed grass sticking out of his mouth, and they like go into a full fight. And I'm like, this is hysterical.
1: <laughs>
0: it's, 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 my, it's my favorite like moment between them. Yeah. It's it's so funny.
1: <laughs> oh my God, I love them. All right, let's get into a uh, ranking of the humans. So, first up, we got Princess Yu from the Water Tribe who sacrifices herself when the moon is killed to become the new moon. Uh, And it's a really sad story. She's just a wonderful character. Sokka's head over heels in love with her, obviously. His first girlfriend. My first girlfriend turned into the moon. That's rough, I was about to... I was (laughs) like on
0: the tip of my tongue. I was like, I'm waiting for him to stop talking so I can say it. Best line of the show, by far. For real. That's rough, buddy.
1: She's (laughs) only a couple episodes, but the impact is really felt, and it's an important moment of the series. And then, whenever you do see the moon, you think of her.
0: Yeah, that's uh the i don't i didn't like really realize how much the series shows the moon off afterwards yeah it's actually it's actually a lot more frequent i think yeah as kids you, you might, might fail a little bit like as an adult you're re-watching you're like damn this is sad <laughs> yeah you're like that's that's a well she's like probably 16 17 so like that's just like a she's she's the rest of her life she's just gonna be watching soccer uh <laughs> kiss uh, <which>, Suki. <laughs> <laughs> <and> in <Suki. laughs> but you know, Ua is such a such a cool character. I, I do. I think she's she's very unique, and uh, she's like the uh, first time we actually, besides like Monkey Atza, the first time we've really or the Eastern the Western Air Temple in general, um, first time we've really seen like a character die uh, in, in in the show. So this is for it to be a teenager sacrificing herself. Uh, uh for 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 balance and for nature is uh is so interesting to see she's kind of there's a lot of theories that I I, I honestly really like is that the idea of Aang, given let's say ang doesn't get frozen he lives out his normal lifetime 100 years before uh you there's a lot of theories that Yue was supposed to be the next avatar that's why she had a strong connection oh. with the uh with with the uh with the koi fish spirits and uh, that's why um, she was sick at, at birth because she was supposed to have the Avatar spirit, but she doesn't because Aang's still alive. Oh, I like that and, theory. And so so there's a lot of theories that because a wa- it's in the cycle, the next person's a Water Tribe member.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And so the the, the whole – everyone it was cooked up this theory that Yue would have been the next Avatar had Aang not been frozen.
1: That works out timing-wise because he would have been in his – he would have been like 70 by the time she was born. I think makes- it was
0: like 100 100 years so he like there's he would have been like 80 think, he would have been like 83 time, when she was there's, born. There's yeah, he, so he'd, pro- he'd probably would be like like with probably passed away with, within the last like probably 20 years of of, of the events which That's I don't I don't know if they ever actually tell us how long like there's a gap between uh, Avatar dying and the next Avatar uh uh being born. So who knows?
1: But there's uh so the original the moon story, the moon princess Japanese tale it's, it has a lot of similar themes where so it's about this couple in Japan and they lose their daughter and then the mother is just beyond herself with grief so then the father climbs up a mountain and begs the moon um, to, for help and the moon sends her daughter to the family, the little baby girl, uh, to, com- to comfort and console the family and so then the family raises the little girl, the moon princess as their own but then when she becomes an adult she has to leave in order to join the moon again. It's a very, very incredible tale, and I remember seeing this episode and being like, "That's that's such a great uh, it, it, it reference and homage to that story." Mm-hmm. Absolutely. All right, next it, up, it's really cool yeah. how
0: they l- like weave ancient stories into. Yeah.
1: It's fantastic. All right, at number fourteen, we have Jet, who ends up becoming a really good villain uh, against Zuko. Um, first, he's with the band of bandits in the forest. And he's kind of like a, a friend-ish to the, to the gang, but he's very like selfish, he seems to be trouble, and he seems to be someone they can't control in any way, and it's risky to be around him. And then he ends up becoming basically a full-on villain, and he has a great fight with Zuko, and I like the fight because it's swords, and there's no bending. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He kind of
0: reminds me of Aaron Yeager, to be honest. Yeah, he
1: is, he is an a- <laughs> Aaron quality it's, it's to him. It's
0: Pretty much one for one.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Jets. I think Jet's such an interesting character. Uh, the because everyone has suffered at the hands of the Fire Nation, but you don't really like. S- generally speaking, the average person they run into is is a generally a good person. Uh, but Jet's like one of the few characters who like. V- uh being who was wronged by the Fire Nation and is uh now turned into a villain character and is is attacking people who, who are just civilians and don't have anything to do with the uh necessarily the the, the Fire Nation's imperial efforts and might just uh cause yeah. I know they uh there was a Fire Nation village and that they were trying to uh, destroy and he's just one of the few characters who who is who went down that kind of path so it's interesting for them to acknowledge the different paths someone can take uh uh, uh after suffering like like he did and how the rest of these characters have so we, we get to we, like he's one of the, just I guess one of the few paths we see different characters take uh, after being victims of the Fire Nation because you have the Earthbenders who get, get put onto that ship in the ocean and uh, have just given up. So it, this is uh, a, a path of just someone who has fully accepted the hatred and has decided to to return it to the Fire Nation uh, rather than uh, accept it or or or. Uh, Make a difference in in some other way. It's I I it's It's so fascinating that this is a character who uh, is really early on in the series too, and he's just like, no, we're gonna kill these people. We're gonna blow
1: up. This I game like
0: and and, I, and yeah. drown
1: them all. The, or, or, the or, whole or. damn sequence is great because, and I like because that first when we meet him when, in his little crew, we think, oh, they're just like a bunch of kids who are just doing what they can to survive. You know, they're they're stealing and they're just trying yeah. to like, trying to survive because in the ruins of their home. But then we learn like this guy will do anything. And he's he can be ruthless, and he becomes a really big antagonist for both the gang and for Zuko, which I thought was great, connecting him to all of the characters. But that whole damn sequence of him nearly allowing all that to happen and, and trying to foil the plans of the gang was really fantastic, especially in the first season.
0: Yeah, I thought this seemed like a sort of like an early foil to Aang, where like they they both suffered great tragedy at the hand of the Fire Nation, uh, this in, in Jet is a example of the path Aang could take as the avatar mm-hmm. of, of make of making it about revenge. Uh and after that whole I think that's what sort of really helps push Aang to reaffirm his his uh air nomad ideals of of peace and, and nonviolence whenever yeah. possible.
1: Yeah, it's so, a great lesson. I wonder if he's even gonna be in the live action because that's an important lesson Aang learns. Yeah, I that's that's a good question with the changes. Who knows? We'll see. I'll have to check the IMDB list. All right. Next up, we have Suki, uh, great warrior, uh, really entertaining. I love their village. I love um, everything about that crew, and this is where Sokka is really learning lessons about, you know, just because these people are women doesn't mean they can't be great warriors, mm-hmm. and way better than him at everything. <laughs> so he really, he learns a lot in the in this episode, especially. Yeah. But then Suki. She doesn't have that much screen time in the series, but she does show up multiple times throughout the course of the show. And she's always a a, a welcome presence in every episode.
0: Yeah, I, I honestly—I uh, probably might have put her higher up, but I know she kind of goes a wall for a while. But her impact on the series is so huge because she, uh, she completely turned Sokka's character around from probably not being, like, super liked by the audience to, like— once he starts learning these lessons, he really comes into, like, being an audience favorite where he's just this comic relief character who actually goes through a character arc, which isn't super common in a lot of series. If you're a comic relief character, you kind of, they're usually very static or they are, or they're used at for tragedy for the rest of the, uh, the, the cast. But he manages to, to like be one of the few comic relief characters with, with an arc where he truly uh, grows as a person. And I think, I think Suki is uh, uh, also such such an interesting character in the way that showing how the avatar how important the avatar is, the effects they have on people. And the whole Kyoshi warriors were formed. Uh, I think it was by or inspi- or inspiration of avatar Kyoshi. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't, I don't remember if, if they were formed while she was still alive or not. I, I, it's, it's been a minute since I've watched the first season. Uh, but the, the, just the lasting impact of the avatar, she's, she shows what that means. And uh, so Ang sees that for the first time that he go, he meets all these people who were, uh, who, who, were, who held, were, were part of the home of, a, of an avatar of the last uh, – uh, I think Kiyoshi's – I don't remember if Kyoshi's Earth or Air. I think she's an airbender. Um, the, the last airbending avatar. And so Aang himself already means so much more by being an airbender to them. And so I think Suki is, is a really cool character to show w- the meaning of the avatar and, and, and what effects that has hundreds of years later is how important it is for you to fill out your role as these people are inspired hundreds of years later to keep that legacy going.
1: Wow. Well said. Well said. Thank you. All right, next up, we have Tylee, who is part of Azula's gang, her trio. Tylee is a great contrasting character because her personality is so bubbly and so sweet and cutesy, but she's a force to be reckoned with. And what's also great about her is she's not a bender, but she can... She has a fighting style and technique where she can shut off the chi of a person's energy to prevent them from bending. And so she becomes a really great fight, an antagonist in a fight. And I just love the precision. I love the fact that just a normal person can have an insurmountable impact in a, in a battle sequence against benders. And, she, and I think just the contrasting of her really bubbly personality is a great. It's, just, it's a great character design.
0: Yeah, I love how she, she's like the strongest non-bender, yeah. I, I think pretty handily in the series. And in a one-on-one between her and a bender, I, I think I'd take her minus like the Avatar and like the top. Minus like three, a few masters. yeah, Minus like a few masters of bending. Uh, she, she's she's like one of the most pow- like uh, powerful, is, uh, uh, probably not the right word to use, one of the strongest characters. And I think that she's such a breath of fresh air, I think, in that whole, in her whole group. So with Azula, Mei, Zuko. She's she she's she's yeah. like the You need someone who can smile person. in that girl. Fairly like <laughs> someone yeah, someone who can who can crack a smile and mean it genuinely. because uh, even May is just
1: like a goth girl. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, they like the rest of their group reminds me. Uh, I don't know if you ever watched. You ever watched Grim Adventures of Billy and Mandy on Cartoon Network, like no. early two thousand? I, I
1: know of it, but I, know, I don't think I ever. Yeah, watched it.
0: they're the one of the so Mandy, one of the titular characters, literally cannot smile. There's a whole episode or like slash movie where when they make her smile, it breaks the universe, literally. <laughs> like the universe, it like that ends the episode. Is she smiles and it? There's just a giant explosion, which I think is like this. This whole cast uh-huh. if you if any one of them smiles willingly it's gonna it, it the, the <laughs> universe is gonna fall in on itself but yeah Ty and, and Lee I, is such yeah. a breath of fresh air in those scenes to where she keeps the energy up when the rest of the characters are like a lot more
1: mellow with the fire nation early in the show we're shown that it it, it has this perspective of them being a cruel people all of them but then with tylee and then when the kids all blend in with the fire nation we learn that they're just normal people too but they've just been taken advantage of by yeah. uh, a a powerful government and in leadership they're just people and so i think that Ty Lee is an important ass character because she makes us learn that the fire nation isn't just all evil people yeah like azula like the fire lord like xiao um iroh as well um zuko cruel and evil for a season so I think Ty Lee was really vital to make the audience understand that there are just – there are good people in the Fire Nation as well.
0: Yeah. It shows how the the Fire Nation is sort of just victims of of the will of, of the Fire Lord, and they're, they're just shown mm-hmm. propaganda. They are being told they're good guys. They don't they, – they're not under the impression they're imperialists who are taking over countries. They don't – they're not aware of, – most of them aren't aware of that. They just think that this is just expansion or – some sort of collaboration with these other nations. So she kind of gives us that, like you said, that perspective into the, the average person who, who doesn't, who isn't part of the military, who doesn't actually see what's going on. They just see kind of the, the, the results of it. So the, which is uh, showing how like they're innocent and, and a lot of this. And when we get to the end of the series, she turns on Azula and, and, and joins the Kyoshi warriors, she, uh, like the, a, a lot of these Fire Nation people at the show at the end aren't willingly part of this. The mo- a lot of these Fire Nation members who find out what's actually happening
1: th- th- switch sides. Absolutely. All right, next up we have Admiral Zhao, who be- who's for the most part in the first half of the show the most powerful political figure that we're seeing and a point of contention between um, Iroh and Zuko. Um, he's basically the commanding officer for the Fire Nation Uh, for much of what we see in the first half. And there is a really fantastic confrontation between him and Zuko, where Zuko actually outduels him. And it's a great moment, one of my favorite fights in the entire show. But Zhao is someone who, even though he's on the Fire Nation uh, side, he's still an antagonist for Zuko and Iroh.
0: Yeah, Admiral Zhao is just like, I think... They're uh, a a stepping stone to like what the uh, Fire Lord is, where they're both just classic villains down to their core, just just not good people. And but I think Zhao is so interesting. And the fact is a lot of that's a facade. He is he is a powerful firebender to to some extent. But when it's shown when when he's backed into a corner. So when Zuko beats him in that uh, uh, Agni Kai, the. Zhao like was ready to do as uh, anything dirty to win. Before Iroh steps in, he's like, "Yeah, this is over." The uh, uh, Zhao is a very interesting character where he's just that's a lot. A lot of that's a facade, and he's a lot weaker of a man as they show in that moment. And then later on, at when he uh, dies, when when Ang he he kills the the koi fish spirit so he he's he wants to win so bad he doesn't care if it disrupts the balance of the world cuz he can't he, he can't accept losing
1: 100%. so he, he
0: he he kills a koi fish spirit and then uh and then just gets uh, uh just easily take it i think it's honestly hilarious how easily he's taken out <laughs> uh we're like where this dude who thinks so much of himself and how he's even better than the prince and and the brother of the king uh just Sucked into the
1: water, never see him again. Mm-hmm. It's great. he's he's a great first main villain for the first season. He's fantastic. All
0: right, next exactly. up we have a
1: character we have a character at number ten who's not in the show much at all, but man, when he is in, when he is on screen, it's just a delight. It's King Boomy. Yeah. He's so funny, he's so ridiculous. But also he uh teaches Aang important lessons, especially in their first episode together. And he's just fucking absolutely bonkers, super shredded, and he's just like so fun. <laughs> He's also like
0: a hundred and fifteen, I, th- <laughs> I, think, I think. I think he's like only like a year or two younger than Aang when they were the kids. Uh-huh. So he's like a hundred and twelve or something like That's that. That's crazy. So he's doing that at that age. But, yeah, Boomy is just one of the funniest characters in the show. <laughs> it's every scene he's in. I'm, I'm, I'm laughing. Mm-hmm. The I still think about this as one of the – I don't know why. I think – maybe it's the delivery of it or or just the way they set it up. But when they – when Team Avatar uh, meets up with the White Lotus uh, at, right before Sozin's Comet and Aang is still uh, missing on the lion turtle, uh, they show up and Boomy's like – Wait a minute, there's someone missing. Someone very important. Where's Momo? <laughs> that, I don't know why, that shit gets me every single time. Every single time I've rewatched it. <laughs> Where's Momo? <laughs> Where's Momo? Because oh I forgot Momo's with Aang as well. <laughs> he's like, oh, he's with Aang. They're like, he's with Aang, we can't find him. He's like, oh, they're together? They'll be fine. And <laughs> Just and moves it's on. Great. Oh my God, he's such a funny character. And he's also... He doesn't let it, he's also one of those characters who has a facade of like goofy in in whatever like that is while well, it is still partly his who he is he like is secretly like very intelligent and and conniving and is planning stuff out way ahead of time so he knew who Aang was when he shows up obviously cuz but it's he knows that at his role on things immediately he needs to show Aang that he needs to take things seriously and that uh, if he also challenges the Fire Nation too soon it puts all of Omashu in in danger so he waits for the perfect moment to break out to free himself and, and then take down this entire Fire Nation army it's like no one told him about the the eclipse but because he's part of the White Lotus, he knows about it, and so I think I think him secretly being part of the White Lotus is probably the biggest surprise, just because of how crazy he is compared to all the other master characters we meet. So, but <laughs> so he's he, he's he's just it's so interesting how intelligent and 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 powerful he is, given
1: just how insanely goofy he is at the same time. And he was uh, the first major example we saw of earthbending.
0: Yeah, he's also the most powerful earthbender we've seen yeah. at that point. I think Toph in the end is going to is more powerful, but like at least throughout that series he's the by far the most powerful earthbender we see. She'll he she'll surpass him, but entire like yeah. city and just goes Yeah, yeah but when when yeah. Toph's an adult, I'm sure she'll yeah. pass him cuz she can now metal bend and see with her feet, but uh yeah, I think Boomy's like is just so cool as the most powerful. Where we see like the biggest feats of earthbending, where he slides like entire statues. That's mm-hmm. like, ma- who even knows how big the, that statue of the Fire Lord was? That he like slides mm-hmm. down the side of the city to break crazy. the bridge. It's it was it's like it's, huge. it's
1: like gi- like Magneto doing something fucking insane. It like, really it's like it's yeah. like
0: Magneto picked up the uh, the Statue of Liberty or yeah. something like that. It's it's crazy stuff that he does. It's so cool.
1: Yeah, I love him. All right, next up at number nine, we have May, who is part of Azula's team. And I love the first interactions with them in the gang because we see, even though Azula has a couple of friends who aren't benders, they are really nasty in a fight. And May is extremely talented. Uh, she ends up becoming Zuko's girlfriend. Uh, she's like so much like him, they're like a perfect match. Uh, oh, yeah. And ultimately, she has a great character arc. She kind of has this nihilistic, apathetic uh, personality. Not really caring about anything and just going along with what Azula says. But I think she hides a lot of depth and emotion on this facade of blankness. Uh, and eventually it leads to uh, the Boiling Rock episode where she betrays Azula and, and, and leaves Azula and, and with uh, uh, Tylee and joining up with Zuko and the gang. And she says, I love Zuko more than I'm, I fear you, which is a huge moment for the show and for me.
0: Yeah, I I think she's also such a cool character. The uh, her relationship with Zuko is is so well done. I really like what they did to where they at first kind of almost comes across as like another member of the Fire Nation who's kind of doesn't care, is cruel, whatever. But it, it having seen her like meeting her family because her I believe her family are the is it becomes like her dad's the governor of Omashu after the Fire Nation take over if I remember correctly. And uh, we get to see her family. She's got a little brother uh, that there, since her family's part of the government, she actually got to see what the Fire Nation was like w- growing up. And so I think she's one of the few characters who's already disillusioned with the Fire Nation and sort of just goes with the flow of things, uh, at least at that f- for that time, uh, because uh, there's just what what can she do? But you can tell she's very aware of 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 the reality of the Fire Nation. And that comes across. And I think that's why she also finds herself attracted to Zuko. Is because Zuko has also now seen these things. He's been part of those things. And so Zuko is one of the few people who are actually like also verbalizing his uh, displeasure with the Fire Nation. And, and just their similar personalities on top of that. It's like how they really connect is both of them can kind of see through the facade that... Uh,
1: that the rest of the fire nation tries to put up 100 percent. all right next up we have Toph, uh the protege the blind bandit one of the most powerful earthbenders in existence even though she's just a little kid uh i think that Toph was so exciting i'm glad they saved her for season two um because it would have been a little too much of an ensemble in the first season with that arc but she is so welcome and she ends up being uh ang's instructor in earthbending uh, but I love her first sequence in the arena, battling the other Earthbenders. And, you know, she's she's a blind kid, yet she takes out all these incredibly powerful Earthbenders like they're nothing. Um, and I also like the backstory with her parents, very controlling, very protective of her, even though she's a rebellious kid who just wants to fight, of all things, compared based, based upon which how she was raised, um, and eventually running off with the gang uh, to help train the Avatar. I, I love Toph. She's always so funny. Uh she's next to Sokka, then another comedic relief, but also of vital importance to every battle. Um she is an MVP in many sequences. Um she's just a, a delight on screen.
0: Absolutely. Toph is like usually the most badass member of, of Team Avatar. <laughs> uh the scene where I, th- I think it's I think it's during Sozin's comet where she she busts through the metal door and turns into like a body of armor and that takes out the I was like that was might be the coolest thing I've seen in the show so far that was so that was so sick but yeah she's she's such a cool character and I and I love the depth to her because at at first we think like we they try and like give her this characterization of this cool character who doesn't care but there's so many layers and depth to her where she does care about her parents and despite as much as she verbalizes wanting to be part of the team avatar and wanting to teach Aang earthbending at the same time, she doesn't want to, she doesn't want to leave her family. And, and I think it's, it's, it's so interesting how she has these two identities she's developed from with her family. And then what you could call her true self as an, as an earthbender. I, I, I think it's just so cool. The there, there's that, that depth there that, uh, especially for a character who's so young. Cause she's, I I believe she's 10. And She's like ten or eleven. She's like a, a year or two younger than Ag, and and for her to have that much just character to 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 just to, to um, explore is uh, uh, I think makes her just one of the most interesting characters in the series. For someone you'd think to be pretty surface level, uh, to be just as interesting a, as she is, and also uh, the the comic relief stuff is always just great in there. The uh, 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 just every every like it's I, I don't it, it's she's not a caricature like Sokka is, but she still manages to like be consistently funny. I don't I don't really know how I would describe her character. She's in sarcastic
1: of, like, in a ballbuster. Yeah, that's what she is. Yeah,
0: I, I think that's that that's probably a pretty good way to put it. Whereas
1: Sokka is like a, a laughing point. someone, someone yeah, you laugh he's, at. He's
0: more of the butt of the joke rather than
1: yeah. Uh, and uh, I mean one, one of the best like one yeah, of the I think I think Toph one of the, is the best, best like side character. episodes is her training him. Like, her training uh, Ang. that episode, is, is uh, it's a really fun episode. Um And it's a moment... Of, it's an episode of, like, levity. Oh, yeah. That's shows, the one and where Sopha yeah.
0: gets, like, stuck in the ground, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I love the, that one. The... the, the, the I don't even remember what animal it was. It's, like, the platypus bear shows up or something like that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and, but it also shows that, like, even though Aang's the avatar, he's he really does need to learn and work yeah. at all of the bending. Like, he actually... Like, he, uh, it's great to see how difficult it is for him to earth bend at first. I think yeah. it's important it's, to show that.
0: I think it's interesting how similar her and Aang are, but also how vastly different. Mm-hmm. Where, uh, at first, the way they introduce the character, you're like, oh, Aang's gonna, this is, she's perfect for Aang, she's another kid, she's very fun-loving, this is gonna be easy for Aang. But earth bending t- turns out to be Aang's hardest thing. It's, the earth is the exact opposite of, of air. Air. Uh, in, in this universe so it's the exact type of personality you need to to bend so the uh the fact that someone who we expect to be really easy for uh Aang to connect and relate to is ends up being the, his hardest teacher who who we who we struggle uh teaching him what he struggles with the most so it's it's really interesting to see how similar and dissimilar the the, the those two characters are
1: oh yeah 100 percent. all right at number seven we have fire lord ozai who is the overall nemesis and antagonist of the show uh ozai is fantastic i like we said earlier they saved him and they waited a long time before they finally revealed him because up until then what's what makes a great villain like this is people talk about him you hear stories you hear people mentioning him you hear the fear uh and then it just builds this anticipation and it builds this hype uh, to finally see this character and then when you do he does not disappoint and he is fiercely powerful. Um, the final battle between him and, and Aang is absolutely epic and unbelievable. Um, but on top of that, he's just he's an f- incredible villain. He's someone who's basically taking control of his country and his plan is to destroy any villains and this is he's when the show starts he's already wiped out um, all of the airbenders, so he's already he's already committed genocide so we know how far he's willing to go uh, to do what he wants. And he's so brutal, uh, amazing voice acting by uh, uh, fucking uh, Mark, <laughs> Mark Hamill. Hamill. Sorry, yeah. <laughs> Mark Hamill. <laughs> and uh, it, it's just he's an amazing presence on screen whenever he showed up.
0: Yeah, Ozai is just uh, just a cool final villain. The... The way that he's impacted every character where like this is the uh, one of the best, I guess, final villains in general where it's uh, just a pure evil character. Like we just we need to beat them. He every single character has suffered at his hand in some in some major way. And I and I, I love how, how because of how evil he is. The the final conflict of the series isn't beating him. We know and can do it if uh, he's powerful enough. He knows all the elements. He can defeat anyone it's that how does ang do that without killing him because that's despite everything that the fire nation has done if he kills the uh, uh ozai it's uh either disbal- that's something the avatar shouldn't do or it the the fire nation probably wouldn't like if he if ang killed the fire nation i don't think it would have been a, a peaceful resolution like it like we saw so the the fact that that a villain like this can force su- such a, 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 a strong uh conflict within the characters uh on a kids show is is just so impressive the way that they were able to write a character in such a way to where it can kids can really understand the dilemma because I think that a lot of the audience, or this their intended audience, this is probably the first time they're being being introduced to these kind of themes, and so for them to deliver them in such a way through this character is, is incredible, and also doing it with Mark Hamill's performance probably uh, uh, hel- helps helps a, d- a little bit. <laughs> who, who, who's kind of I think this solidified him as like one of the greatest voice actors of all time to do On Joker and him then him. Just being. He did Joker, he did Fire Lord Ozai. And then he's done he's also done like a, a handful of other stuff. He's Skeletor now in, in like the Netflix He-Man show. Which I'm like, when they announced that I was like, yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> Skele- Mark Hamill and Skeletor kinda go together. But yeah, I think I think Mark Hamill is so important to this role. If you cast a different actor, I'm not sure if it the, the character still works as well. Agreed, yeah. His his voice is so distinct with this. This is one of the ones to where the, the Daniel Kim Kim's going to need to have to act his ass off to, to really have to bring nail it. his character down. He's, He's one of those characters who like, they had to nail down perfectly, and they, and they did. Mm-hmm. I have I've literally zero complaints about Ozai. All
1: right, next up, at number six, we have Sokka. Formerly the, just the comedic relief of the trio, he becomes a very important character and a vital to the defeat of the Fire Nation at the very end. Like we said earlier in the episode, he goes through immense transformation from a sexist, weak, um, kind of bullying guy into a mature young man, someone who's willing to sacrifice himself, uh, someone who puts his life on the line, and someone who learns how to respect others. And a really great arc for both him and Katara is uh, finally seeing their dad again, and being torn between their his father and uh, being with Aang. Um, and so that's all. That's a great arc for Sokka. Those mm-hmm. few episodes, and he goes through. Compared to many many others in the cast, some of the most intense transformation in terms of an arc out of, the, out of anyone in the show.
0: Yeah, uh, Sokka, I mean, for me, he's my favorite character in the show. Uh, maybe not necessarily the best character, but it's it's just he he's he's hysterical. He's constantly wrong and and is constantly proven wrong, and get it's 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 so great to see how uh his character evolves throughout the series where he he's like he he he's super sexist he thinks men have to are have to do take care of everything because because the southern water tribe is the water tribe in general is very traditionalist the women have specific rules and roles and men have specific roles like as they explore in when they get to northern water tribe and uh, uh master paku or i think it's Paku yeah. won't uh uh, train, uh, Katara. Katara at all, even though Katara has the most potential of any waterbender we see in the series. And so the the way we see Sokka, because Sokka also witnesses this, uh, and, and he, he's, his views are constantly challenged and he grows from that. And, uh, is is becomes a better and better person and, and a more more and more mature person. Uh, by the end of the series, he is uh, he really is the older brother figure he thought he was at the beginning. He uh, has matured so much as a character. Like when he master panned out, where uh, he does the uh, the sword fight with him. Love that and uh he, and like he he's like I have to tell you the truth. I'm a I'm not a fire nation member. I'm from the southern water tribe, and it's the uh. You get to, that. I think that's the moment where I really kind of realized how much stock had changed was when uh, even though it would put all their lives in danger, uh, like oh, at least as, as much as they could assume he still couldn't like just his own honor and, and, and his respect for for people has grown so much that he's like, I can't reasonably l- uh, uh, learn from this master or try and uh take take from him without letting him know the truth I have to respect him, and I think that's like the one of his big things is learning to respect others is is a little is a is a kind of arc that's like probably not as talked about but it's literally everyone not just not just as him being sexist in the beginning or in it's even at the end he even though he 's not a bender uh he uh, he still manages to contribute in major ways. Uh and I'm 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 he, he's one of my favorite characters. I think he's just hysterical every scene he's in. Uh
1: how he just classic is proven wrong. I love him. He's stubborn as hell. But he took out that yeah. air fleet like a boss, like a G. Yeah. And he
0: and 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 he even was able to he was willing to say goodbye to Boomerang. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> like, oh that's the ultimate character arc.
1: Sparky Sparky Bag Bag man. <laughs> yeah. Sparky Sparky Boom Man. Boom, man. <laughs> Oh, I had combustion man oh my god Yeah, <laughs> coming up with the names for the guy it's so funny for real. <laughs> alright number 5 for our character ranking is Azula one of the main antagonists for the series she is the daughter of the fire lord and brother of prince Zuko uh, she doesn't show up until season 2 but when she does show up she makes her presence known very clearly uh, she's more powerful, uh, more dominating and more ruthless than Zuko In a lot of ways, I think she represents the qualities that Zuko thinks he should have, being the Fire Lord's son, but he doesn't actually have them, which makes him uh, a morally good character compared to his sister. His sister basically is like the perfect child for Lord Ozai. Uh, And she also is not only one of the most powerful firebenders, but she's also mastered lightning uh, bending as well, uh, which is just so fantastic when you see that for the first time. It's unbelievable. She's an incredible antagonist. She's the biggest foil for Aang in the team for much of the series. And then her finale against Katara and Zuko is one of the best battles by far in the entire show. Uh, Visually stunning. Um, But she's a character who has great moments, but then um, she does become quite deranged and um, loses herself uh, near the end of the season, near the end of the show, um, where I think that when she realizes things aren't going her way, uh, she can't deal with it when she's betrayed by her friends, when um, things are, when they're on their, when they have their backs up against the wall, she basically uh, loses control, cuts her bangs, <laughs> acts like a madman. Yeah. And uh, she, and then uh, that's when she's most dangerous too, also.
0: Yeah. I, I, I see as a really tragic character. I think she's the product of, of Ozai's attention because Zuko never really got that. And that's, uh, I mean, as you can tell from the beginning, and when they initially show him the first time he's in the war room and he and he speaks out, and then they have the Agni Kai. Zuko very clearly wants the approval of his father. He never really got the attention. He was always got the attention from his mother, who is a good person, and that shows with these characters. Azula is really just the product of the undivided attention of Ozai. That's this is what happens when this was what would happen to Zuko if he uh, ha- if, if he had gotten that, and she's. Uh, just so mentally unstable because she's she is now lives and b- and dies by the by the approval of of Ozai, and uh, and and has built this complex around Zuko and her mother not loving her and and believe that her that her her mother only loves Zuko and so when 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 she's when their mother's gone, as much as she like doesn't initially like kind of treat Zuko poorly or like go or go out of her way to like. Uh, attack him or anything like that. Everything she does is always kind of a, a slight towards him, and is always like con- uh, 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 condescending towards him. She she has to find ways to demean him and and uh, to make herself feel better because uh, she doesn't she uh, she has no other way to to uh, I guess uh, process her childhood is is by being better than Zuko is the only way she can do that, and so the finale of the series where they fight and Zuko bests her it. She just can't fathom that. And do you know, she starts breaking down crying and she's chained up and, and she's, and even then she's cutting her hair and like, has like lost it at, at, as she's become the, the fire Lord. But it's, this is truly like, that's where you can see the cracks really start to fall. She sees her mother in the mirror and, and, uh, she, and she verbalized it. She believes her mother hated her. She she believes her mother thought she was a monster, and that was just the image that she painted for herself, based off of her childhood. That her father was the only one who was giving her attention. And her father, uh, pre- like preferred her over Zuko because she had that, uh, to some extent that that voraciousness you need to be to be the Fire Lord. So. It's just a really interesting character who who is just a victim of, of their childhood, in yeah, my opinion.
1: He, yeah, even before major events, you, you see flashbacks, and she was always manipulating her brother or, like you said, competing um, to win favor of her father. And even when they both think that she killed Aang, she tells her father that Zuko killed Aang on the chance that he survived so she wouldn't get blamed for it. Exactly. So she's always she... competing against Zuko and trying to win her father's favor. I, she does have that tragic moment near the end, but I will say she enjoys what she does too much to be completely empathizable. She's just yes. she she relishes in her cruelty too much. Absolutely. To, yeah. And that's that's really like like I said like she has all the qualities that Zuko thinks he should have, the cruelty, yeah. the, the villainous aspects, the the desire to bring. Um, suffering, and the desire to dominate, he's trying to be that for the first season. He's trying so hard to be that, but he he's not that in his heart. And ultimately, obviously, making the choice to join Aang is the biggest proof of that and evidence of that. And it's always a great struggle with him. We'll get into him in a little bit. This episode, of course, is sponsored by our friends at MoviePosters.com, the number one place to get your posters online today. Be sure to use our promo code Raiders10 at MoviePosters.com to get ten percent off your order right now, they have a huge selection pretty much every movie and poster and TV show imaginable in their poster library. For all of your poster needs, be sure to go to MoviePosters.com and use our promo code RAIDERS10 right now to get temps off your order today. But next up, we have Uncle Iroh. Iroh is, in a lot of ways, um, like aing a heart of the story, uh, especially for Zuko. Uh, he is a man who's extremely flawed. He's made so many grave mistakes in his past. He used to be a general for the Fire Nation. He once held siege to Ba Sing Se, where his son was killed. And he finally learned uh, the immense gravity and weight of war and the effects of it, ha- it has on suffering when he suffered himself from the loss of his son. Uh, one of the most emotional moments... Two of the most emotional moments of the whole show. His tale uh, about his son. And then also when Zuko comes to him to apologize, and he can't come up with the words, and instead, Iroh just hugs him. And if you yeah. don't cry at that, if you don't cry at that moment, you don't have feelings. And so, Iroh, in so many ways, is a major part of the the connection to t- to love and a heartbeat for the show.
0: Yeah, absolutely. He really is like the 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 heart of the show. He's <clears throat> constantly, even when he like ends up meeting one of the members of, of Team Avatar. He's constantly giving them wisdom to live life by. This is a character who, like even from the beginning, you can tell has had a, a, a storied history and has been through a lot. I the like you said the the two episodes that stand out are the tales of Bossing Say and then when uh, Zuko uh, beats him again after everything in season three, and uh, that those are like the two points where I did. I think those were the, the two points in the series where I, I cried. Because uh, in, in the tales of Bossing say if you uh, don't know the at the end they say in honor of Mako. So Mako was actually the voice actor of uh, Uncle Iroh. He was diagnosed with with terminal cancer when they started recording season two, and so. Uh, that scene was dedicated to Mako, and so the so while they did that's in in the actual uh, animation, it's Iro visiting like basically his son. Um, the image they use for his son is actually a young Mako, uh, oh, wow. and uh, so like that is him crying, and basically, from my understanding, it was one of the last things he recorded before he passed away. So he filmed all of season two, and then shortly before, shortly after they they wrapped, uh, he had passed away. So it, it, I think I think the tale of Mako also makes his character so much more important, uh, with how spiritual he is and how uh, uh, just important he is into the franchise and and giving these lessons. It, he's so important to Zuko's uh, character arc and the the just everything he has gone through and to see the character he's come out as is so interesting and i I just know i I always look forward to the next time i was on screen because i also he's gonna just spit out a gem uh, (laughs) uh, of some some just insane uh words of wisdom where you're like what the hell did he just say
1: and also very funny too yeah
0: oh yeah we're like they're they're trying when they initially like in season three go and look for him they find um what's her name with uh who, who who has the animal that can like smell like? Oh can, yeah, like, the giant track sense. Yeah, I always forget. I, I forget her name because she only post. She's only in a handful of episodes because yeah. she's in season one and then season. She's three. like a bounty hunter. And they track it down. She's like, name. yeah, you have a you have a strong scent. It, yeah, he they they like have his sandal and he, and he's got like and like his scent so strong they can find him just from the sandal. Uh, <laughs> I love what he gets
1: fucking jacked in prison and they show that oh, montage him yeah. working he out. Like, he's like, oh, thanks for
0: thanks thanks for the meal. Rips <laughs> like his shirt thing. off, <laughs> <laughs> <It> starts just <laughs> doing doing clapping ups and I'm like, damn,
1: so funny. He just got an yeah, apple in he's his mouth. Such it's a, so funny. He's
0: such a funny character who's also just so badass at the same time the the scene at the like near the end where so where Susan's comments there and he's like a firebender only gets to feel this once in a hunt uh, uh once in a hundred years and then like just his breathing is enough to uh, cu- surround them in flames mm-hmm. which I'm like I'm like oh shit this dude's like strong the, and also this the my favorite symbol is when he burns the fire nation flag that's hanging yeah out revealing
1: the, the earth's the earth uh symbol behind yeah. it yeah that's great, and I um the
0: the him him being the savior of of Bossing Se after raiding it after for years sieging it yeah. is is just such a cool turnaround on his character.
1: And I love he just wants to make at the end of the day he just wants to serve people tea, uh, but exactly. yeah, he he rema- he feels like he has to stay involved to protect Zuko and help help Zuko, uh, and so I love how when thing... he even also he he's like. In Ba Sing Se, he's like, then they start this tea shop and he's like, I, I just want to do this. And then finally, uh, at the end of this series, he has his tea shop and everybody's there. It's just, it's such a wonderful conclusion for his character to be like, you know, he, he's been a soldier all his life. But his calling really was to just nurture people and serve people. Yeah, absolutely. All right, next up we have Katara at number three. The water bending protege and then master. Uh, she is in a lot of ways the <laughs> the the guiding force for the trio uh constantly getting aang to accept his duties as the avatar and trying to keep them in line both boys in line she's also the reason why aang was freed in the first place so very important uh she is one of the most powerful people in the planet uh her water bending is incredible and I love her arc because she goes. She's constantly battling against the times. She's ba- battling against um, the men. Water tribe, like you said earlier, women in the water tribe are only allowed to use water bending for healing, and she's trying to become more than that. And she does eventually train with the master, who finally accepts her after she nearly wipes the floor with him. Um, I love the relationship between her and Ang. It's complicated. He's at, he's had a crush on her since. The moment he saw her, kind of like love at first sight. But he's a kid. He's a little, he's a few years younger than her. It takes her a while to realize that she also loves him. And, I mean, I love the ending of the show is them. They have their kiss, and then it's just the beautiful sunset. I thought it was just like a perfect finale for the show. But Katara is vital to the story ever working and for their success in the end.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Katara is is such an interesting character. She, I, she definitely, besides Zuko uh, uh, and Aang, gets the most screen time of any character, and she just uh, is. It's it's so cool to see how she transforms as a character because she initially comes off as probably the most put together of Team Avatar. The mom. But when you get yeah, you get to season two and three and you really start to cover like her mom and her her trauma with that. You're like, no, she's messed up. She's she she's a slave to her to her hate towards the Fire Nation. And she is uh just the moment that she can find out that uh she can like avenge her mom is is just overtaken by 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 rage and that's all she can think about, which is is so interesting because her that's not what her character is about. And it's and it's she 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 shows that like these these great people can can harbor like such dark hatred where it's like where it's like she's she's gonna hunt someone down and kill them as a 16 year old. Uh, it, it's it's in a, especially growing up in, in a tribe where like that's not her culture either. Uh, for the she's such a cool character that harbors such an interesting darkness. Wow, I know some people will jokingly complain, they're like, "Oh, everything." Some character will make will make will like complain about something in the series, and she's like, "You know what else was bad? My mom getting killed in front of me." Which like, <laughs> <I'm> like <laughs> yeah, she does bring it up a lot. Yeah, but like <laughs> uh, at the uh, at the same time, it's such an interesting storyline for her, given who she is as a character as as a whole. So she's got just this 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 dark part of her that exists that kind of remains hidden for a lot of the series. But then when it comes out, you kind of get to you get to see like how messed up she kind of is. And so I think the uh, she she grows a- in a lot more subtle way compared to I think a lot of the other characters in Team Avatar. But uh, she's I, I think she's such a perfect uh, uh, match for Aang.
1: And um, uh, I, I yeah. think that.
0: I because I, I, they're they're not necessarily opposites, but I- I- in certain ways they are, and, and, and just like their general demeanor, and, and, and they are within social interaction. So it makes sense that a lot of while she, she's 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 very go with the flow on certain things, she still has a certain rigidity to herself, which I think is a good match to Aang, Where it will the, they'll complement each other because she's willing to do a lot of more weird stuff, but she also can kind of like reel Aang in on when he's a little bit
1: too like just free wild child over the wall, yeah. And the yeah. point of contention with her, with that darkness, and that sh- she has that revenge in her, the desire for revenge. She's the last person to trust Suko, um, but all and she. It's really whenever she sees a member of the Fire Nation that comes out uh, tenfold. But there's also that goodness yeah. that 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 goodness within her still overpowers that. And a great example is when she's trapped in the cave prison with Suko. She hates him. But then, by the time by at the end of their time in the cave, she considers giving him that powerful wa- healing water to heal his eye so she's still that goodness in her always outweighs that desire for revenge ultimately exactly
0: I, I think I think that's what makes her such a, a fascinating character is is for that to to exist and for her to still manage to overcome it uh just such a cool character and all, and she's so badass at the same time the 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 way she can uniquely use water bending she can Dude, the blood bend which is just is crazy scary i'm I'm like just that alone makes her arguably the scariest person in the series minus like ang
1: and she almost kills Where- that guy with like the she turns the drops into little spheres and then she stops at the last second like she could have just fucking killed that guy
0: Exactly, like you, you, you kind of underestimate how powerful she is it, 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 until there's like certain moments happen. You're like, oh fuck, I forgot. Yeah, she's she's kind of like the most powerful waterbender in the show. So <laughs>
1: yeah, absolutely. I mean, she almost beats the master,
0: or she does. Yeah I, I th- yeah, I think by the end of the show, you can
1: you fairly unilaterally say she's the strongest waterbender. Definitely by the end. All right. Next up at number two, we have Zuko. One of the most important characters to the show. One of the best character arcs. And like I said earlier. I found him annoying for the most part for the first season um, and then his arc in season two and three are just phenomenal he has a great solo episode uh, it's like this western type episode solitary one and it's just showcasing the incredible character that he is he's someone that in a, in a lot of ways he was born into the wrong circumstances he is not an evil person he is not a cruel person he tries to be and He thinks that he has to be, uh, but he overcomes that. He overcomes what he thinks he should be and becomes who he really is by the end of the season, which is really ultimately the main theme of his character arc. Um, but Zuko is phenomenal. I love him. Uh, him and Iro, their transformations together, they really are like a father and son. Uh, Ozai is not a father to Zuko at all. He's more of a commander than anything. Um, he's an incredibly flawed person, horribly tragic. Um, but he does make the right choices in the end, uh, even though he struggles to make that choice throughout the course of the entire show and it's in especially in that confrontation in in the basement of the palace where you think he's on the side of Aang and, Katara, and then he does attack Aang uh choosing Azula when he made that choice, I was like, no, come on man you could have you could have joined them and so I like how they didn't make it easy for him to take Ang's side, even though he knew it was right. It was still like I have to do the Fire Nation. I have to be in the Fire Nation. This is my family. Uh, this is what I should do. So he's constantly struggling with that his entire entire series.
0: Yeah, he, this is this is one of the best written characters I've seen in fiction. It's it's this whole this whole arc he has is one of the greatest character arcs I've ever witnessed. He goes from this just. Uh, uh, this this kid who is just all he wants to do is get his dad's acceptance and 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 return to the Fire Nation, uh, and uh, and is is stuck with his uncle who who has been semi who, who's like semi disgraced and and who he sees as a failure and doesn't understand that his uncle is 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 who he should be aspiring to be, not his dad, and that this this whole journey he goes on from. F- just having these moments where he shows that he's not a bad person he's uh uh he's just doing what he thinks is the right thing to do uh, and what he should be doing uh, so the the way that his character just changes from season to season is so fascinating and the way that he like learns to start respecting uh, uh, uh all these other nations because at first he's a pure firebender but we see in season two he picks up swords and he's an incredible swordsman. And so we find him uh, having these, uh, uh, I guess, layers to himself because he, he he he. Uh, what's the name of the the fake identity he makes? The blue demon, the blue devil mask. It's I don't... um,
1: hold on, I got it right here.
0: Bl- uh, blue spirit the blue spirit so when he when he has his blue spirit character this is it's all even though he's putting a mask on he's really taking the mask off he's doing what he knows is the right thing to do what he would do normally if he hadn't been in the situation that he was in of wanting to return to the fire nation so this is that's like i think those are the first signs we get of zuko acting with um uh, his his just own uh, volition and and do and doing things because he personally knows they're right and doesn't like need to consider it by putting on the mask he doesn't need to consider what the Fire Nation would perceive of it he can finally just mm-hmm. do what he wants to do
1: yeah I think that's a great point and uh, one of the best episodes is Zuko alone I mean, with his tail like that Western tail and he battles the Earthbenders with swords and yeah then he he re- he tries to go as long as he can without revealing that he's a Firebender. Um, but S- season two is moment. as
0: much his season as yeah. it is Ang's season.
1: It really did. Like I, re- I remember thinking that while watching season two, I'm like, okay, he's really becoming as major of a character as Aang is for the story. Yeah,
0: like he's he's a borderline deuteragonist by by the uh, end of the series. Mm-hmm.
1: Absolutely. But I-, I love Zuko, and uh, yeah, it's it's especially like after he, after he and Iroh cut off their top nuts, it's like such a major moment of. It's such a major moment for both of them of they are no longer part of the Fire Nation, essentially. And it's just a, a great metaphor for um, cutting themselves from the grip of Ozai, you know what I mean?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I, I forgot about that they, uh, the – of Iroh cutting his off too. Yeah, that's – it's mm-hmm. uh, such, a, such a cool moment to, to see them start to separate
1: themselves. All right, next up, at number one, we have the lead of the show, Aang, the last airbender. Uh, Aang is, it's, I think that Aang is the only person who could have pulled off what he did in the way he did it. I think that if many of these other characters ended, were the Avatar, they probably would have chose to kill Ozai. Um, but Aang's purity and goodness and inner morality um, are his strengths. And it's. he's a kid, he's the reluctant hero, which is a common archetype. But what I always found so powerful about the series is that he's just a kid. He's not an adult. Um, and even by the end of the series, he's not, he's, he's not an adult. He's still just a kid. Um, but he's put into the situation, and basically his hand is forced to accept the responsibilities of saving the world. Um, I love how he, it's hard for him to accept that. It's hard for him to believe that he is the one. Um, but ultimately, he's the only one who could have done it at the end of the day. Um, he goes through so many great moments. Uh, I love the Avatar state. I love the sequences of him learning about the other, a- other Avatars, um, especially Roku, and his story with uh, Sozin, uh, one of my favorite episodes. Uh, but ultimately, Aang is defined by his goodness and his morality. And there are a couple moments like there. He goes through a dark period um, where he does want to take revenge, and he, he is fueled by fury and, and anger and vengeance. Um, and he has to overcome that uh to remain good and moral at the end. Um also just like Sokka, he's huge comedic relief and so much fun and joy to be around. Um and, and some of the funniest moments are Aang moments for sure.
0: Yeah, Aang Ang is just uh, I one of the I, I think is the best written child I've seen in like a television show where I'm like, this is, okay, this is, I think this hits everything where like, he feels like a kid, but he also like, he's, he's a, he's a, a preteen slash teenager where like the, he feels like someone about that age where I think that's something a lot of shows struggle with, with writing younger characters is how, how to, how to depict them. Because over the age of like five to, to 13, the kids, kids change so much in the way that they speak and think and, uh, I think Ang Ang is one of the f- like a few times where like they've truly nailed it perfectly. Where I'm like, this is a kid who 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 understands the this, the the gravity of things, but is still young enough to where he doesn't want he he doesn't want that responsibility and and thinks he can just brush it off. And the way that they just write his character to like where he is, I don't want to say unrecognizable because he's not because he's still Ang at the end, but he's just so much more matured. At the end of the series to where it's it's like you can just like visually looking at the character, you can tell he has been through shit. And that's uh, the that's a lot of season one is is him kind of coming to terms with that. Season two is is um him kind of dealing with the darker side of things. So when Appa gets what gets taken, uh, Aang is just rage filled uh, just, just hearing the 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 words that Appa got muzzled, he and lost it. He lost control of the Avatar state and almost killed people. It's uh, he, like they remind you how he is a very flawed character, but in the end, even despite being a flawed person, you can still make the right decision. And I think uh, I think that's such an interesting thing with Ang's character, where he's he's not perfect, and uh, but he still is as the Avatar. Uh, and as a child, is still knows he has to make the right decision. And just just because something's the right decision for the Avatar to make doesn't mean it's the right decision for the world. And, dis- and so him deciding to not kill Ozai and to spare him and, and take away his bending is not a decision, uh, even though it's something he fought with. I don't think Aang at the beginning of the series... Uh, uh, would have spared him. I think. I think he's a different character by the end, where he's seen so much. He's seen. Uh, he he's come to understand how much depth people have. L- looking at Zuko, he Zuko initially is this character who is the 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 antagonist for uh, for at least season one, as as we're first initial as we initially meet him, and that's how Aang sees him. But by the time we get to there, Aang understands there's so much depth to him. There's so much depth to everyone that killing Ozai. isn't the right thing to do. There's there's more going on. He's not just evil. Like, there's a reason he's the way he he is. So, and I think Aang understands that better than a lot of people because he understands nature because he's the Avatar. He's the most spiritually connected. He understands how much goes on for, for people to be who they are and for how the world to be the way it is. There's a lot of balance. So, the... Journey he goes on uh, uh, is truly spectacular to see how much he grows just a- as a person and spiritually it's he's such a great character.
1: yeah, i I love, like you said, he has the a pure connection to nature and spirit, in the spiritual world. and you see that multiple times in a couple of sequences. but also choosing to not kill Ozai. He's choosing to end the cycle of death of killing. Um, and like you said earlier in the episode, if he had killed Ozai, the fire nation probably wouldn't have um, given in that easily uh, but also what he's a tragic character because he's the last of his kind he's the last of his race he's the final airbender his entire people have been wiped out um and so that's a horrible thing for him to go through and to understand the devastating effects of war and it's a huge theme to put into a kids show to be like yeah. oh this entire people was wiped out by these villains and so um it's just a horrible backstory for the character and one of my favorite episodes is learning about him at the temple training um and show in the elders seeing that he truly was the avatar um it was just one of my all-time favorites then also his his moments with the guru his moments in the avatar state in the spiritual realm um, some of the most magical incredible moments of the entire series yeah.
0: I think something that's really cool is how powerful he is as an airbender. I don't think I think it gets undercut a little bit from him learning other um yeah. uh bending elements. But in th- so in in the story uh for uh air nomads, you get your tattoo when you become a ma- uh, airbending master. So for that to happen, there's only two ways to do that. You either have to master every single style of airbending, which takes a very long time, uh or you have to create your own airbending technique cuz the only people who are going to be creating their own techniques are people who are so vastly talented and and skilled that they they are at the level of a master. Aang didn't learn all the elements. He so the air scooter that he rides, the little ball that he he has, he 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 created that technique. And he him creating that made him a master. I love what so he's like, riding what he around
1: in school in front of the others.
0: <laughs> yeah. And and it's 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 such a cool thing. Like I think people kind of forget about. It. You're like, no, this is he. Uh, in terms of airbending, he is. Uh, even when the rest of the airbenders were alive, he was considered one of the best. And he was he got his master's tattoos at like eleven years old. It's and so I think there's a, there's a certain level of like. With Aang being a child, they also forget that how formidable he is as a fighter outside of being an avatar. Yeah, great point. He's he's such a skilled person. Before he found out he was the Avatar, he just naturally had this talent, which is I, I think something that people forget about and makes him. Them- just really fucking cool when he does like crazy airbending shit
1: and when he's in avatar state and he has all four elements happening at once i was like oh my god this is insane
0: this is crazy one of the creators said like you can't so like they visualize everything for you you can't see airbending like Uh they can't see what ang does so ang's just like moving his hands around and then someone falls over uh, and like no one has, no one can see the wind or the air doing anything. So I think it also makes Ang just way scarier in universe. You just <laughs> see a 12 year old swing a uh, staff at you, and then you see like three guys get sent 30 feet back.
1: And I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, I, yeah, I forgot. I mean, the staff is so vital to him um, yeah. for, tr- for transportation. I forgot about the staff completely. It's
0: one of his last connections to his culture, too.
1: Yeah. Which I All think right,
0: is, so is, a- is uh, cool.
1: That's it for characters. So let's get into, we have a ranking of best moments, and these are non-fights because we have a ranking of fights as well. But these are just moments, whether they be profound, emotional, epic, shocking, surprising. So at number 10, we have um, Iroh's tale of his son, which we mentioned earlier, which is absolutely devastating. And then Aang's backstory, which I thought was really fantastic. And just to see the airbenders... Because we knew they were wiped out, so it's so so tragic to see them in the society, in this community. Um, and I also love the temples. The, the design of the temples are my favorite locations yeah. in the entire show. Both temples, the they're, eastern they're and really the western.
0: Cool. Yeah, the uh, when they visit the one, the first one that they visit, I thought that was so cool. And they meet Momo. They have like all the Avatar statues there. Yeah, I was like, oh, this is really cool.
1: Yeah, it's incredible. So much
0: detail goes into it.
1: And then at number eight, we have the Blue Spirit Escape. This is when Zuko dresses up as his alter ego, the Blue Spirit, to help Aang escape. This is just a really fantastic. It's a chase, it's a breakout. Um, both characters are working together using their strengths. It's really exciting. One of the most exciting action sequences of the entire show. I, I was just like floored by that sequence, it was so fun.
0: Yeah, I, I think I think all the blue spirit moments are just really yeah. cool cause you get to you get to see like just the the peak athleticism uh, in the series when most people are just relying on on the uh, bending.
1: And it's ironic that Zuko chose the color blue and the blue spirit, which is a contrast to fire, for his yeah, alter exactly. ego. It, it shows that inside of him he's not wholly supposed to be like in this world. he, he doesn't exactly. belong in the Fire Nation.
0: He puts a he puts a blue mask on, which is really representative of his true self, which yeah. is an
1: opposite yeah. to the to the Fire Nation. Exactly. All right, then we have uh, Avatar's first uh, Ang's first Avatar state experience, uh, which was fantastic. Um, this happened when he was fighting Zuko, uh, and he he got into the Avatar state when he was underwater, and then he showcased insane power that we had not seen before. So it was a great tease for the potential he had in the avatar state and i love how they slowly rolled it out but that was like the first moment we saw the sheer magnitude of his power this is also when he couldn't control it yeah,
0: I love I love how sparingly they use the Avatar state. Mm-hmm. It, it makes it it makes it so much more impactful when it's pulled out.
1: Yeah, if he was pull if he was like going Super Saiyan every time, it's just takes, yeah, <laughs> it they avoid they, they the,
0: the, the Dragon Ball Z yeah. uh, treatment. <laughs> so words. here we go, oh, Super we Saiyan every, again. Oh, <laughs> everyone's a Super Saiyan now. Like, what do you mean everyone's an
1: Avatar? <laughs> exactly. And then on uh, number six, Iroh hugging Zuko when Zuko couldn't come up with the words of apology. Yeah. Uh, we mentioned earlier, very, very tragic and powerful moment um ang taking away ozai's air uh, firebending at the end of the of the end of the series so Mm -hmm. powerful and you're like at the he's approaching him you're like what's he gonna do and then he their laser eyes in, into the sky and he just sucks yeah. out all of his bending power. It's fantastic. That whole
0: moment so cool. This, yeah. he, he, he uses seismic sense for the first time. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, so he, yeah. He, 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 so the he finally does it and, and he feels him move and he just uses his foot to do it too. He does his, like, mm-hmm. that, that first time, he, the first hand he traps is just with his feet, which is so cool. So, like, he, he's mastered uh, earthbending to such a, uh, a a degree to where he can, like, create, like, a fairly uh exact uh formation with just swinging his foot back
1: mm-hmm. it's fantastic He's
0: such a cool character next up
1: we have one of my favorite moments was ang and zuko's episode uh where they m- visited the firebending masters and they learned the dragon dance and i love that sequence it was so cool so interesting visually stunning uh but also zuko and Aang connecting which was vital
0: yeah, I that this I think it was visually it was the peak of the series. This and 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 the fight between Azuko and uh, Azula, uh, the there oh man just it, that really was so beautiful. I remember watching that when I was young, and I yeah. was just like,
1: yeah, seeing so, all the
0: fire, different colors. It's and I, I love the way that they recontextualize firebending and and the Fire mm-hmm. Nation, uh, showing showing how how much they've lost their way because this is now what what we see the fire nation as isn't what firebending was or what it was it's about it been twisted initially and uh, and they yeah it's, it's become twisted and uh, as they've shown the average firebender is a lot weaker than they used to be when you've learned from the dragons and the the original Firebenders, uh, you understand your fire. Firebending doesn't come from a a, a place of uh, of anger or rage. It comes from from tranquility and, and, and peaceful. Because uh, a fire is going to get out of control if if uh, uh, oh, uh, if it's if it's too wild and it's uh. But if it's the, the the having a peaceful nature and being at peace inside allows you to to bring out the full force of the fire. Rather than having it get blown out necessarily before yeah.
1: you can reach its peak. Fire's not about destruction. It's a it's a representation of life is a, one of, is like the major theme of that episode. It's really great to see in a new light. Yeah. Next up, we have, for best moments, the entire airship battle sequence. And this is when there's so many great moments of interacting on the ships and uh, the whole crew. I like how Toph shoots them up there with the, with the stone, with the earth. Um, and it, it ends on... Sokka, uh taking out the entire air fleet by when they um, take control of one of them, and he just turns it into the others, yeah. and just scrapes against the tops of each of them, and completely disarming them, and it's making so them cool all to crash. See the
0: least powerful character yes. probably do the most in terms of damage to yeah. the Fire
1: Nation. Mm-hmm. And I love the red sky of the comet. That whole yeah. sequence is just so. The fo- those four episodes are visually, you, you know, a visual feast.
0: The, they they wrote that finale. ...a while before they yeah. filmed and recorded it. That's, that was probably... That finale sequence for the last four episodes... ...was probably in the works for a long time. Oh,
1: definitely. All right, next up, one of the most powerful moments of the show... ...was Zuko taking Azula's lightning strike to save Katara... Uh, ...which was a huge moment... Um, ...and allowed Katara to uh, get, the mo- get the momentum in the fight... ...and take out Azula... Uh, ...but also to prove that he's willing to sacrifice himself... Uh, ...to save his friends and It was a major step forward for him, and a really surprising when I thought for a moment he was done.
0: Yeah, uh, I the first time I watched, I think most people's first time watching it, they don't really catch that he actually redirects the lightning, mm. but he does do it in the improper form, which is what takes him down.
1: Yeah, without having but to stand. If stance. you if you see, if you, yeah. if
0: you see, as he falls down, if you watch him, the lightning's coming out of his arm. As okay, he's, as he's falling down, and you see it shoot out when they do the the big wide shot from like. Uh, at, at a distance gotcha so, so when like, i first so,
1: watched it i thought he took the hit completely so
0: he, he does kind of take a head on so yeah. it basically does what Iro says if you do this wrong it can kill you is if you catch it and then you you're supposed to bring it through the stomach and out if you bring it across the chest it'll the lightning will hit your heart and you'll die which is mm-hmm. or you could die it, very likely uh, uh which is what mm-hmm. we see happen there he almost dies uh, if it wasn't for Katara. so uh for all intents and purposes, he did take the lightning strike. So, Damn. it's it's such a big moment for his character. It's it's the it's the final it's now in coffin where it's like, yep, he's complete. That's the final step of the journey. I think absolutely. Was, he's he's willing to die for these people. Not just and fight,
1: not just fight his sister, but to sacrifice himself to save yeah. Katara. That was it. All right, and the number one on best moments list. I think it was just mind blowing to see Aang turn into the giant koi fish spirit giant. <laughs> it's just i was like what the fuck this is crazy i was like this is unbelievable <laughs>
0: yeah he was he went straight kaiju he was just yeah. c- comes out of the water uh and, and just destroys an entire fleet yeah uh, that's like the, this is like the like the uh one thing where i'm like th- you can tell that the avatar state is like essentially like a hive mind of all the avatars because hindsight you're like ang just killed probably a bunch of people <laughs> <laughs> like a lot because they're getting thrown into freezing w- water in the North Pole. Uh, and, oh, they're done. They're done. You think you think they can swim to shore in time? No way. I'm like, uh. Ang just probably killed thousands of people but we just will not cover that. That's <laughs> We'll move on. That's, no, so, like, let's uh, move on, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but I think that's like uh, uh, probably more of a storytelling moment where we get to see the true personalities of the avatars, what they're willing to kill even though Ang has shown he's not into that. So... I think at the time we might not be aware of it, but in that, uh, uh, in, like on a rewatch, watching that moment, you're like, "This is sort of foretelling the conflict Aang is going to have at the end is if uh, whether he should kill or not." And and when we when he goes to the avatars, looking at that moment with, with where he enters the avatar state in the end of season one, uh, like we already know all the avatars' answers are going to be, yeah, going into that. So I think that's the, this is like the first sign of of that conflict. Really early on, even if most viewers don't realize it.
1: I also loved how it wasn't, it's not something he can do again. It was a kind of like a one time thing turning into this koi fish giant. It's not, like, when I first saw that episode, I was like, oh, is this something he's, is this like a power he's going to be able to use anytime? But it's not, which I thought was smart. I
0: imagine that. I, I feel like that was somewhat in, uh, uh, assisted by, yes. by UA yeah. or or the other koi fish spirit. I think it, I think I for, it was I the koi fish one's spirit. The moon and one's yeah. the, I forgot one's the moon, and one's the water. So the water yeah. one who lived, is it probably is. The I one think who, it joined who,
1: forces with Aang, is what, which is really what did it. So I liked how it's not yeah. something that could be repeated, you know, because it, it, it would have made it too easy for him in every battle if he could just turn into that thing. Yeah. Speaking of battles, let's get into our ranking of the 20 best fights. From Avatar Last Airbender. So, number 20, we have Zuko versus Jet. Sword, b- sword play battle, which is fantastic. No bending, it's just swords. Um, and uh, it's just phenomenal. Zuko proving once again that he's not just uh, an incredibly talented firebender, but a very talented martial artist as well. Then we yeah, have... Yeah, I think
0: it's really cool how... how capable they show him being despite like how much the or the the fire nation tries to like tell him he's not as good as his sister and all that like no he's just so he's just a much more well-rounded person absolutely
1: next up we have combustion man number one this is when combustion man or at the time sparky sparky bang man boom man attacks them in the woods (laughs) and they're like what the fuck is this guy this is great very surprising you're like what is up with this guy's eye on his forehead when you first when he's first hired um you're like who is this guy and uh it was a great shocking little battle sequence it's short but it's fun yeah
0: i'm i'm uh, i think i think all the fights or like the two fights they have yeah. with him are uh just hysterical yeah because he's look because uh, like in actuality that's a terrifying bending ability is you can just use your shoot out of your forehead he just needs to inhale, and it just he just shoots it out. Like that's that's actually way scarier than a lot of the other bending techniques because you got to get like a full range of motion. He can just look at you and just.
1: Poof. And it's just like it's like a fucking rocket shot. It's just it's like a laser yeah. shot. Such think it's, it's hysterical not just a bunch how they make,
0: make such an imposing character. All of his fights so
1: goofy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, number eighteen, we have Katara first versus, versus Master Paku at the Water Tribe. She begs him to train her, and he refuses because she's a girl. And so then she's like, you know what? Let's fight, bitch. And she shows how talented and how immensely powerful she is and to the point where Master Master Paku finally agrees to train her.
0: Yeah, I think I think this is a really cool moment just in terms of character growth for for so it's, it's so significant for for actually both characters because oh, yeah. Paku's so stuck in his ways this 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 opened his eyes to many things and also uh uh I think I think the uh I don't know. I'm trying to think of the right word. The uh just the ideas of of the youth and and the changes they can bring about. Kind of he's been, I I think has just sort of become jaded to the idea of change uh after everything that's gone on with the Fire Nation. Mm-hmm. And so he's been able to with through them accept that you can change things. And so he not only uh Changes his ways to go train Guitara, but also goes to the Southern Water Tribe to reunite with their grandmother. Yes, and 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 pursue the love that he wasn't able to when he was younger.
1: You can. I can also imagine that after the events of this film, uh, the the, uh, the the society change in the Water Tribes where what girls were able to train just like boys. You ima- yeah. I would imagine that.
0: I, I, the Legend of Korra definitely like shows the societal impact uh-huh. that had, that occurred. Like gender from the dynamics of, of Avatar, uh-huh. yeah, like this, like the the main city it takes place in is like looks like it's out of the 1900s. Like so- technology advances at a fast pace. It's basically kind of it's. uh uh, kind of what happens to parody on an attack on titan Uh where, where once once everything happens they very rapidly catch up to to modern times so this war is literally holding back the world scientifically and societally so it's it's really interesting to see how much the the war held everything back
1: all right number 17 we have prince zuko versus the earthbenders in that small town in his solo episode it's kind of like a western uh standoff in a way uh, yeah. It's really fantastic. He's battling with just his swords, and then it gets to the point where he's like, "Okay, I got to reveal myself as a firebender, and he just takes takes no prisoners. It's a great little sequence and showcases a lot of great character de- de- uh, development for him
0: Yeah, I, I the a lot of those solo episodes just do so much for individual character story. And uh, just this, this just propelling everything even further. Uh, I think, I think all the, every time Zuko gets a spotlight, he just, it's, it's just some of the best episodes in the series. Oh yeah, for sure.
1: Next up at 16, we have the gang versus who? The swap giant, uh, which is a lot of fun. You think it's just this huge giant monster. And then we learn that there's a bunch of Earthbenders hidden inside of its body controlling it. And it was just really great, visually stunning, a fun little side quest episode, I think. Yeah.
0: I love the idea of having uh, waterbenders who just live in the swamp. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> Sorry, waterbenders. I call them earth benders. Yeah.
0: yeah. So just I I, I think those the, the two guys they have are just hilarious. How they're just just hodunk guys just living in the swamp and they're and they're like, Hey, you can mend water too. <laughs> and they show <laughs> up at like, the end. Yeah. They show up again. Yeah, they show they up at the out. end. Like they yeah. actually help yeah. out, which I'm like I'm like for for such one-off characters, it's hysterical. They bring, they remember them and bring them back.
1: When when they showed up, I was like, Oh my god, they're back. I love this. It was great. It was great to see I was them like, again. I'm like,
0: holy shit, I forgot about them. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right, number fifteen, we have Sokka versus uh Master Piando, who teaches him sword mastery and he earns the black sword. It's a really great battle sequence. Um and Sokka proving himself to be a great warrior in his own right.
0: Oh yeah. I, I think I think in terms of just like non-benders, I this might be my favorite fight. Just what it means for Sokka's character. And just it's the finale of the series, so it also has like the biggest budget. So the animation's really well done. I love the choreography of how it's like a proper sword fight. And it's it's uh uh just watching Master Piandow, just uh how how his fighting style and then uh uh and then I, I love the reveal that he's just like uh actually just a good guy. Yeah. Uh, at at the end, where where he's like he he's like Sokka, you've passed, you've you've earned this sword, uh, and uh if it, uh like he how he's secretly part of the White Lotus, and I and I love the just the small things you can like appreciate on a rewatch, where you're just like this isn't the the battle isn't what you think it is at first.
1: And what's cool is whenever Sokka pulls that sword out after that, um, you you whenever you see that sword, you re- you remember. What he went through yeah. to earn it—it's not just a weapon. It's—it's it's a lot more than just a sword for him.
0: It, it means so much more to him because, which I think is so interesting in the fact of boomerang, who is—it's—it's it's been his mainstay since the beginning of the series. Always comes back, uh, but it's a reminder of his old self. While the meteorite sword, he actually throws it and, and it's gone. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and it's interesting to see that uh that he actually loses the uh this this weapon that is or re- that that is supposedly representative of, of his new self uh, of of his journey but he ends up ke- keeping on the boomerang so that's a great point
1: i i, 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 I mean, maybe said, a, uh, to explore
0: that a little bit more because i think that's an interesting
1: i think that represents being able to let go of the past Instead yeah, of uh, always maybe. the boomerang, he can, it's like represents like who he was in his former life and yeah. never be able to let go of that and move on.
0: Yeah, I, I, could, I could see that because also the meteorite sword represents the old Fire Nation. It was the only reason they had is because what what the Fire Nation did and, and all that. So it's it's still uh, a, a, a product of the old Fire Nation. So
1: another literary analysis you could have. So much. At number yeah. 14, we have tough. Versus the Earthbenders in her debut episode, which is such a fun fight. It's great to see a bunch of Master Earthbenders going up, up against her and seeing how incredibly powerful she is. And oh, this is the first time we see, uh, even though she's blind, she can see through seismic um, permeations in the earth. Um, just really fantastic, visually stunning moment.
0: Yeah, a great way to really like introduce introduce us to like earthbending at large Mm because we we saw a little bit of it at the beginning of the show but like not much besides that because it was forbidden and so now that we get to see it in full action you get to see how how cool it is and uh i I i think i think earthbending is the most fun to watch animated in terms yeah. of just like a, a full on fight scene, you are like that. The most is going on there, with with water bending. It, not as it's because it's because it's water. It like not as I I don't know the this. You I like the physicality of it, it. I think the physicality of yeah. it, it feels like a real battle. Yeah, while. Uh, the uh, that's it's like a battle of attrition versus the other bending uh, other elements are more of a battle of finesse and skill. Yeah,
1: I do think that. I mean, the earth bending is probably the most dangerous because you take a fucking rock to the head, you're dead. Yeah. Um, but you can survive a burn, you can survive water, obviously, and air. So I think that it's this the most dangerous to go up against in a lot of ways, especially yeah. when you can see what earthbenders can do. All right, next up we have Ang versus Azula. This is in Season 2, when they fight atop the drill, trying to break through the, the barrier wall of the city. Uh, I think this is fantastic. This is Aang using uh, Earthbending. Um, he's getting very skilled. He's able to like, make the, the armor with the stone, he, And then, uh, there's, but there's a funny moment where the stone turns to wet sand. Uh, it's a really great fight, uh, Aang and Azula on that drill. It's very exciting, I think, for that second season.
0: The, I think it's like the first fight you really get to see Aang like use tactics in yeah. a fight where he's he finally is facing someone who is at a similar skill level to him uh, as a fighter so he has to outthink her on, uh, since he can't just overpower her so so him having him like running the back up the wall and coming down to break the uh, the drill is, is super cool and, and uh, uh, so the whole fight I think it's I think it's really cool how it forces Aang to like actually think and strategize rather than just
1: uh, try and just blow people away. Absolutely. All right, number 12, we have Zuko versus Lord Ozai. Uh, This is a great short battle. Uh, Previously, we saw a flashback of Zuko when he was supposed to fight Ozai and he refused to fight his father, and Ozai punished him by burning his eye. It's a tragic backstory, and we get to see that full circle uh, with Zuko's redemption of defying his father and standing up against him and redirecting the lightning right into him. Great moment, great moment. Absolutely.
0: Really really, really cool,
1: quick moment. Next up at 11, uh, Roku versus Sozin in the flashback episode of the previous Avatar's backstory uh, with the previous Fire Nation's leader, Sozin. Uh, This is a great battle where Sozin, uh, when, when Roku turns his back to leave the temple and Sozin just shoots out a giant wave of flames at him. And then Roku's like, shouldn't have done that, bro. And then absolutely manhandles him being the avatar. He's the peak avatar. So like, he's un- unbeatable and it's a great fight between the two of them, um, but also an emotional moment for really the two friend former friends now being complete enemies.
0: Yeah. I, I think, uh, I think it's uh, such a cool thing story-wise to see how this all started. What, what was like the real cause for the hunt for the avatars why? Why is Sosen so hellbent on this? You can now find out he was best friends with Roku, who is one of the old. One he, he lives a full life. He's like old. He's like eighty something probably, uh, or like at least sixty something by uh, the by the time he dies. And so he's a, a fully realized avatar, and uh, that scared that scared Sozin so much that it, it rippled through the Fire Nation for hundred years to where. They spent the next hundred years after Sozin died hunting the Avatar, so they can finally actually have their war uh, mm-hmm. and and take over like they wanted to. So it's 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 such a I mean, it's just a cool way to introduce the origin and also put stakes into it. You find out Zuko's descendant from Roku. So it's because uh, it was Roku's daughter or or whatever marries into the to, to the Fire Nation family because I think Zuko's mom is is like his granddaughter or something like that. Yeah. yeah. So it's uh, uh, it's so cool to see all the connections that that like, they start to form with with the flashback in this in this fight.
1: Yeah, hundred percent. And the ripple effects. It's fantastic. Yeah. At number ten, I mean, at 11, number eleven. No, yeah, number ten. Sorry, Zuko. <laughs> Vers Katara in the North Pole uh, at the end of season one. This is a great fight. Uh, you can really see that Katara is has become so highly skilled that she can go up against uh, incredible Firebender like Zuko. Uh, yeah. It's great to see for the first time in a major way fire versus water. I love this fight.
0: Yeah, see, seeing her natural talent on display is 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 awesome because you we 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 know it's there and we see a little bit like. Uh, uh, of it when she fights uh, uh, Master Paku, but like it's still in like an exhibition; they're not yeah. like actually trying to to fight each other. So you get to see the first time of her trying. You're like, oh, with this little training, she's already gotten this much better. Uh, so that's like our, our first like little taste of real, truly how powerful she's going to become.
1: Whereas Zuko has been training all his life, which is so it's great to see how well she can uh, fight up against him. At number nine, yeah. we have Katara versus Hama. Uh Where she learns that blood bending is possible, and this is a it's a short fight, but it's really disturbing, and it's really like the horror episode of the series. It's really yeah. well done, visually stunning, but very disturbing, um frightening as well. It's really such a cool, visually stunning sequence.
0: I remember being very disturbed by this as a kid, yeah, because I, I bet. Uh, yeah, I, I remember she starts like waterbending the rats or the or the mice or whatever. Yes, yeah. And, and I, I I remember getting I watched. I was like I don't I don't I don't I don't like watching this.
1: This is
0: <laughs> it was one of the few times as like as a kid where I was like I feel comfortable watching the show.
1: It's messed up. Yeah, and like basically it's definitely uh, definitely
0: people... a, a dark dark subject matter for kids.
1: Yeah, people call her a witch because she was able to like be able to turn people into puppets with their blood. So it's it's a really creative yeah. episode. Really creative. Mm-hmm. At number eight, we have.
0: Uh, I, lo- I love their ability to cover different genres.
1: Oh yeah, it's great. Sorry, <laughs> no worries. At number eight, we have the White Lotus versus the Fire Nation. So this is uh, uh, one of the sequences in the big finale. Um, and all the old members of the White Lotus have joined up, and they're like, "Let's go take out the Fire Nation!" Just so epic, so much fun to see them all, and to see like Iro as like the leader of them.
0: Yeah, that 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 was also one of my favorite moments in the series. It's just it's it's so cool to see all these characters who we love individually all come together on screen at the same time, and, and, and just uh, be essentially the 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 most badass characters in the show outside of the, like <laughs> the main cast, and just take take down an entire occupied city with just like six dudes, six dudes they who are like, up, oh, place. we just they like the, we just like to drink tea and and play. Uh, uh uh what's the i don't even what's the name of the game they play
1: oh, i can't remember i can't remember
0: it uh it's not shogi that's a, the actual game uh uh but the basically just dudes who like to do to to, to drink tea and play board games who also just happen to be the most powerful benders of each of the elements <laughs> uh, uh, pulling up to a city You're like all right well i guess we're uh, t- time for us to finally show why we have the reputation
1: we have i love it all right, next up at number seven, we have a, a much smaller scale fight, but still very impactful. It's Zuko versus Commander Zhao. Uh, this is a moment where he's going up against the commander of the army. Uh, shows that Zuko has more will to win than even the commander. Uh, shows how talented he is and, and shows the drive and motivation he has. So this is a major step forward for Zuko's character. It's it's a great fight. It's also, it's like the traditional fighting style uh, ritual style of firebending.
0: Yeah, all the every every Agni Kai that happens in the series is always such a uh, an important and cool moment because. it's 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 always some major conflict for uh, for all the characters involved yeah and i think i think every single time they do it they knock it out of the park where it's 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 important and and meaningful in some way every every small moment between the characters and then the and
1: whatever conclusion it has yeah 100 percent. all right next up at number six we have ang versus zuko versus zula in that empty kind of like western town uh this is a great fight uh Zuko's not sure of what side he's on at this point, um, but it's kind of like a free-for-all, everyone every for themselves, but it's a really epic, visually stunning, um, very destructive of the structures all around them. It's a fun fight.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think it's, it's a super fun time. They, uh, I remember uh, they corner... Uh, uh, I think they, they corner Azula. They corner and, her, and yeah. But up, she gets uh, out. She gets yeah. out of the... Yeah. Yeah, I remember watching that fight, and I was like, "That's kind of where I was kind of like, okay, this is uh, like part of me feels like Zuko is not going to fully commit." At least watching it as it was going, yeah. Or I'm like, "That's kind of that's where I I at least was. uh, I kind of made the assumption that Zuko wasn't going to fully commit to being a good guy just yet." Uh, I th- and and obviously I, I was proven true by by the the uh, finale that season, but I, I think I think this is kind of w- like the f- one of the final times where you get to see like uh, uh Zuko choosing the the Fire Nation over uh, over what he knows is right.
1: Yeah, it's it's an important part for his Political fight his, Fun time. Yeah, his uh con his conflicting uh, interior, like do I do what's right or do I stay with my family? It's always it's always weighing on him. All right. Next up, we have yeah. gang the gang versus Zula, Ty, and May. Uh, this is their first battle in ba Sing Se. Uh Super fun, visually stunning. Doing all those slides, um, but also seeing that uh, Zula and her two friends, uh, Ty and May, are even though they're not fire, ben- they're not benders. They are very good fighters, and they give the gang more than their ha- the- more than what they can handle. It's a great, fun, entertaining battle sequence. And it's also yeah. a chase hey. too. Yeah.
0: It's all its super fun because I remember uh 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 Tylee, she's like comments on Sokka being cute and then just hits his nerves in his arm. Just like, yeah. and he's
1: like, Yeah, Oh, what's going on? <laughs> Goes
0: limp. <laughs> it's, it's so funny. <laughs> the, the, I think the, the way the, the energy they animate that whole fight with is just it's great. It's it's, yeah. just, it's hysterical, but it's also like uh uh, they still they make non benders threatening, which is I think the first
1: time they really yeah. do that in the series. Yeah, I, I would say it's, like, the most entertaining fight for sure. It's great. It's a great oh. time. All right, at number four, we have Combustion Man number two. Uh, this is when he attacks them when they're at the Western Air Temple. Uh, it's visually stunning, very destructive, intense, and Zuko helps them save the day. Ultimately, it's uh, Boomerang, which takes out uh, <laughs> Combustion Man, uh, but it's a lot of fun. And it's also a major step forward for Zuko joining up with them. Hey guys, Zuko here.
0: Love it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, man, what a uh that whole like the, the whole section where they're hiding out in the temple uh uh, uh is is just I, I, one of my favorite parts of the series cuz it's like it, it's finally died down a bit and and we can just have a, just character moments and uh which is like when the series is at its best is when the characters can just uh uh, uh just bounce off of each other. And and I I yeah this is this is just such a such a great moment for the characters themselves and also just a funny fight for uh, 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 where such an in, uh, an imposing figure is just taken out so <laughs> stupidly with the boomerang <laughs> with a boomerang he seemed oh, unbeatable like, cool. he so, seemed so the, so un- indestructible argue, possibly the f- strongest person they fought so far just got taken out by Sokka well <laughs> that's cool
1: <laughs> I loved it. <laughs> All right, at number three, we have uh, the epic end of Season 2, Katara and Aang versus Zuko and Azula in the Ba say, Palace Cavern uh, setting. Uh, Zuko, at first, took the side of Katara and Aang, but then when push came to shove, he ended up taking Azula's side. This is an intense battle. It's epic. It's visually dazzling, but also it's tragic because... Uh, Aang, we also learned, they set it up, Aang learned that if he's in the Avatar state and he dies, that will end the Avatar's existence forever. And so, you know, like, when that's told to us, he's going to be faced with a near-death incident sometime soon. And Azula nearly kills him with a lightning strike when he is uh, in the Avatar state. Uh, For a moment, you think he's going to die, but then Katara, she revealed she had that that special healing water in around her necklace uh uses that to save Ang's life but it's also it was a very tragic moment it was like really tough to watch Ang suffer yeah. like that it was really difficult
0: Yeah that was uh I think uh, I uh, just what a, what, a, what a great finale fight i think it's it's just so cool how where, where they took things and how they ended it off the the struggle with with Zuko uh in his family and, and and what's right. And then not only that, that's when just dis- uh, that at that point, Iroh has left it in Zuko's hands to make the decisions. Cause he's at an age to where he needs to make these decisions himself. He can't, if, if he's needing to constantly be told what's the right thing to do, then he clearly isn't, uh, yeah. uh, uh, isn't the person that uh, Iroh thinks he is. Yeah. And so Iroh leaves it to him to, to uh, make those decisions. And then, uh, but he's he's still there ready to help and so once uh Aang gets hit by the lightning and uh uh Katara catches him he shows up immediately and and it's uh, honestly one of the first moments i think uh uh besides this, the season 1 finale uh, that we get to see him in action we're like he's just, he he just pops up this old dude who's fighting these soldiers in their prime and just he's like he's like you got to get out of here i'll hold him <laughs> off as, as long as i can and is just punching at them and shooting quick shots of fire not even doing anything fancy with his fire bending so he's doing the bare the basics and is holding off like this this whole squad of of, of firebenders and and their army so i i th- i think it's just a a, a cool amalgamation of like uh, just a bunch of different characters
1: uh uh having big character moments. 100%. really fun Great, great sequence. All right, at number two, I know this is ultimately, for the most part, the fan favorite fight. I do prefer one over this one. I'm not sure what you think, but Katara and Zuko versus Zula um, during the finale. Uh, unbelievable visually, just an incredible feast of visuals. Uh, stunning, uh, epic, just very exciting battle, which is taking place uh, at the same time as Aang versus Ozai. Um, it's just an incredible sequence, and the whole show led up to this fight in a lot of ways.
0: Yeah, I think I think this fight means the most to people, which is why it's a lot of people's favorite. Because it, it's it's the most like I guess emotionally significant of all the characters. Because you, it's the amalgamation of, of Katara, Zuko, and Azula's characters. Yeah, uh, and this is it, it, the way that they they uh have planned out this whole sequence where they there's no sound effects except for the fire and or in, there's no there's there's just there's just some mute, there's just the the light uh music in the background and then and then the sound of the fire which is such a awesome stylistic way to go about this to where it's uh it it gives that the whole fight a lot more weight to it to where uh there, there's no posturing. There's 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 not a whole lot of dialogue. It's this is this is the the finale of, of, of this rivalry between the two siblings and the and, and what it means for. Uh, either one to to win or lose, and, and and the weight that has on on the rest of uh, the world. So I, I love the way that they've shot this, the way that the colors are are set up, the way it ends with Katara uh, showing that she's just as capable as Zuko, and so. When Zuko saves her, they're not, like, invalidating her skill as a fighter or invalidating his skill as a fighter. He's so good. He's he's winning against Azula, and Azula has to use cheap tactics to try and win, which is targeting uh, 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 Guitar with lightning, and it's lightning. It moves so fast that the only thing Zuko could do was just jump in front of it. Uh, so the, just everything in this fight is so meticulous and important and, and well thought out. I, I, it's, uh, I, I think it's probably my favorite fight, but it's, this one's really close with, with the number one.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, number one for me, Aang versus Ozai, it's just unbelievable, uh, to see the, the scale of it, the, the creativity with the, the settings, uh, they're all, they're traveling all over the place. Um, and uh, Aang really does struggle and it, what's it's we've seen so many strong firebenders, but uh, Ozai really is in a league of his own even amongst the other masters that we've seen He's so yeah. immensely powerful and he's really um, having Aang struggle to to compete uh, It's just it's just incredible and then when avatar when he goes into the avatar state uh, And we see that he has completely mastered all four elements at the same time and it's th- that great shot of it starts close and then it pulls back and He's shooting out flames. Rocks are spinning in the, in the air and water as well. It's just all four elements in sync together. It's just unbelievable. And then obviously ending with him defeating the Fire Lord, giving him a chance to stop, and the Fire Lord saying basically he's never going to stop fighting, and so then he takes away his bending. Uh, there's so many elements to the story of this battle sequence that are just uh, the whole show led up to this, and it was just an incredible way to, to finish the series. It's just fantastic.
0: Yeah, I, it's it's definitely the most badass fight in the oh, yeah. in, in, in the series. I was like, Where "Let's got, go!" Yeah, like the when Aang hits his back on oh, yeah, on, yeah. The, on the rock yeah. and he and he and he, po- he grabs the his, his beard and pulls him down to his face. It, I, I jumped out of my seat. I'm like, "Yes!" His, his eyes ass. are lit up. <laughs> <laughs> I got I got so yeah, I got so excited. I'm like, "Yes! Kick his ass! Do it!" Um, <laughs> and, and oh, the, I'm sorry.
1: Yeah, that's why the conflict of the fight was so strong because he couldn't get into the avatar state at yeah, first yeah he was that's, locked that's out what made of it it is, so difficult
0: and he uh i i i love how he Aang gains a different understanding of the avatar state i think after he meets guru cuz he he never like he he ha he thinks he has to let go uh for him to to uh be the avatar and, to, and, and control the avatar state willingly, but you find out he doesn't, he doesn't necessarily need to do that. He needs to, uh, uh, in actuality, the conflict isn't his, his attachment to people. His conflict is, is his own ideal is his, his own ideals versus the expectations everyone else has set for him. And he's conflicted on what he should do all the time on what the world expects from him versus what he thinks is the right thing. And, uh, He's he's kind of come to terms with that by the time we get to there. And so once that uh uh she path is unblocked, uh he's able to do whatever he wants. And I I that's also just one of the coolest moments where he uh no. has Ozai pinned and it's it's the voices of all the avatars at once. Uh, and it's like, Ozai, you've devastated the the balance of this world. You so now you'll pay the ultimate price. I was like, this is so cool. But I, I still love how that how it finalizes with he willing. He's now able to willingly end the Avatar State on his own, and 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 just take Ozai out solo because uh, he's uh, that's 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 all he really needs. Uh, and I just what a what a fantastic finale.
1: Yeah, I, man, I loved it. It was so, so goddamn good. It was so satisfying. So satisfying. It really was. All right, so we have a couple more lists that we'll breeze through because we're, we're over two hours now. Yeah. So I made a list of the funniest moments. Uh, these are just great bits. So the Secret Tunnel Nomads and their song, just hilarious. I love them. And then um, the the line Zuko here. After (laughs) over on the Western Temple, we should just mention the Avatar theater play in the Fire Nation is a lot of fun. I love the actors. I love the the costumes. Toph. Uh, Toph. The (laughs) giant guy playing Toph. (laughs) So funny. Oh my God. So funny. And then uh, the girl playing Aang with all the makeup on. (laughs) Super funny. Yeah. And then we have Aang running on wire to escape that sea monster. That cracked me up. It was so funny. Yeah. And then uh, Zuko and Sokka, my girlfriend turns to the, the moon. That's rough, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> just like it's a it gets, casual thing. Yeah, gets that's me rough. every
0: time. It's just the way he says that. <laughs> that's
1: rough, buddy. <laughs> uh, and then when when the gang is disguised in the Fire Nation and, Z- and Egg not only goes to school, but he stole he throws a party <laughs> with the Fire Nation yeah. kids. Oh. <laughs> Everyone's like, "What are you doing?" <laughs> But it's important. He like, I'm He's underground, showing underground, them that they're just, <laughs> they're just kids. They're just kids. There's multiple moments with the Cabbage Man who keeps having his cart destroyed by destruction happening around him. Um, Sokka trying to come up with the yeah. com- with the name for the Combustion Man and starting out with Sparky Sparky Boom Man and then ending on Combustion Man. Hilarious. Uh, so Sokka has the by far the two funniest bits. So there's a moment yeah. when it's... It, I think it's Katara is looking for someone. Uh, she opens a tent and uh, she finds Sokka s- sit lying on the ground with candles and a uh, rose in his mouth waiting for Suki. <laughs> He's got like his feet up. It's so it's funny. So great. It's so goddamn funny. And then I think the funniest moment is Sokka tripping out on cactus juice like oh, high absolutely. as a kite. High as a kite.
0: Uh it's I was uh and the the line he says is so funny too. It's uh it's like uh, cactus juice. It'll quench ya. It's the quenchiest. <laughs> <laughs> <As> he's just <laughs> seeing the most oh insane my God, shit. so funny. <laughs>
1: That's great. The fact that they put it in a kid's show is amazing. I love it. I
0: know. I'm like, this man is tripping. <laughs> Ain't no way that's going to
1: be the live action on Netflix. I guarantee it, it won't be.
0: Yeah. It's actually, you know what's so funny? You mentioned the live action. So guess who's playing the cabbage man in the live action? Who? The original actor. <laughs> that's great. Good, they, good got him, they got him for the live action. I, I was so excited when I heard that. That's I'm like, awesome. listen, I might just watch it for him.
1: Just watch his sequences together. He's,
0: he finally aged into being able to look like the character now, <laughs>
1: so he can he can play him in live action. <laughs> That's great. All right, now uh, I have a list of the 20 best episodes. Uh, I'll just burn through these. And a couple of them are just amalgamations because the Sozin's common is a four-parter, and it's like they're all, like, the best episodes, so I'll just put I put them as one thing. So we have uh, number 20, the Southern Air Temple, which is where Aang discovers that his people were wiped out. Very important early episode in the show. I think it's episode two. Uh, then at 19, we have the library with the giant owl uh, keeping watch. This is where they learn about the comet and its impending uh, moment. Great episode. I thought it was so cool. Uh, yeah, visually I, so a, fun. I think it's a
0: really underrated episode. Yeah, li- I, I think the library is so
1: interesting. I didn't see it on any list online, but I was like, I loved that episode. It was great. Uh, it was very dangerous, too. And Yeah. It, it's, the,
0: it's, the, it's, the The... Danger and lore around yeah. that place is just so fascinating. Yeah.
1: Then we have 18, The Tales of Ba Sing Se. It's the day in the life of every character in Ba Sing Se, and we learn Aero's backstory. I- Iroh's backstory, very tragic. Uh, number 17, The Warriors of Kyoshi. Uh, this is where we meet Suki and her gang, and uh, it's very funny but also very educational for Sokka. At number 16, The Guru, where Aang learns much more about the Avatar uh, history and state from The Guru in the spiritual realm. Uh, Number 15, The Drill. This is when the Fire Nation is trying to drill through the wall, and like we mentioned earlier, Azula and Aang have that epic battle atop the drill. Uh, Number 14, we have The Blind Bandit, which is Toph's introduction in Season 2, which is such a fun, visually stunning episode. Uh, 13, The Storm, which is where Aang learns about his past. Zuko also has a great uh, transformative moment in this uh, episode as well. Number 12, The Puppet Master. This is Hama's episode where we learn about bloodbending. I am a big horror fan, so this episode really stuck out at me as being really fun and visually stunning and uh, just a nice change of pace from any other episode in the entire series. Like There's nothing like this episode. Number 11, we have The Blue Spirit when Zuko helps Aang escape and we get to see the first instance of his alter ego, which is so fun. At number 10, the Day of the Black Sun. Uh, so this is uh, when Zuko, Zuko fights Ozai, and then also uh, the Fire Nation knew that they were coming. The gang shows up in the temple thinking they're about to fight Ozai, but only Azula's there. And she actually does put up a great fight without being able to firebend. Uh, at number 9, we have Boiling Rock, which is a two-parter. It's basically a prison break. Super fun. We learn a lot more about the characters, and also this is where uh, Mei and Tylee betray Azula and join the Avatar team. At number eight, we have the Firebending Masters, which is where Zuko and Aang go on their little adventure and learn the Dragon Dance from the Firebending Masters. Uh, Next up, we have... uh, Oh, shoot. I put Boiling Rock twice. (laughs) (laughs) Skipping on. Moving on to number six, Zuko Alone. This is Zuko's solo episode, which is so Western in vibe, and I'm a, I'm a big Western fan, so this move, this episode uh, was just, like, really so fun to see. Uh, number five, Avatar and the Fire Lord. This is where we learn Roku's story 100 years ago with Sozin. Uh, number four, The Siege of the North Part 1. Uh, epic confrontation and the penultimate episode of the first season. Uh, next up at number three, The Crossroads of Destiny, where it's Azula versus everyone. And uh, it's the end of season two. Uh, And Zuko betrays uh, Aang and Katara after initially joining up with him. Uh, Mm -hmm. Next up, we have the Siege in the North part two, which is the finale of season one, which I thought was just a phenomenal conclusion for the first season. And then at number one, I have the entirety of Sozin's Comet because all four episodes are so fantastic that they would just dominate the list. And ultimately, it's just like one big sequence. So I put it as one and it's just... It's hard to pull off a great ending, uh, an ending as perfect as they did with Avatar Last Airbender, but they they did it with this.
0: It, it absolutely is one of the best endings I've seen
1: in a series. Like,
0: yeah. I, I can't really think of too many that match it.
1: Agreed. And it's just, I'm so glad I watched the show. Uh, Final Thoughts is, it's one of my favorite TV series of all time. Uh, it's one of my favorite animated shows of all time now. And I know it's not strictly an anime, but anime-inspired. Uh, it's just I love it. I, I know that the live action won't come close to it. We'll see what they do, but um, I, I had an absolute blast watching this series
0: absolutely it's it's one of those shows that manages to be fun it manages to explore deeper parts of of of, of human society in morality and, and also just manages to deliver just some amazing animation especially for the time it, american animation didn't really uh this is like one of the first big shows to like outsource to to an asian country for animation so while some of the, a lot of the primary animation for avatar might have been done in the u.s so like key key uh, uh the key frames and, and storyboards is all done there. The majority of it is is done in in Korea. So this is uh I think this show like just in terms of the um, the the visuals is uh is has has very few rivals in terms of vi- just the the visual depictions of everything,
1: storytelling, animation, uh just everything involved. Yeah. Absolutely fantastic show. Thanks to everybody for tuning into this episode of Raiders of the Lost Podcast. Stay tuned for more episodes. Join our Patreon for access to bonus ad-free episodes. We love you all for supporting us. Thanks so much, Jacob, for joining and bringing your expertise this week to our our episodes on Avatar Last Airbender and Attack on Titan on Monday. Uh, Stay tuned, everybody, for upcoming episodes. See you next time.